0: Rancho Obi-Wan is home to the world's largest Star Wars memorabilia collection, as recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records. Become a member of Rancho Obi-Wan right now to get exclusive access to tours of Rancho Obi-Wan hosted by Steve Sansweet, invites to special events, and more. Plus, you can also make a difference and help Rancho Obi-Wan grow with a simple donation of $1 or higher. Visit RanchoObi-Wan.org now to get the latest news, become a member, or make a donation. RanchoObi-Wan.org.
1: this episode of geek out loud it's may it's kind of a new month and that can mean only one thing my brother from another mother is here with me to pass some corn and talk some movies on this your safe place to geek out this is the geek out loud podcast again everyone and welcome to Geek Out Loud. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you on your safe place to geek out and I'm excited about this episode because it's been a few weeks since we've been able to hang out and talk the things we love. Ladies and gentlemen, i got to bring him in right now. I affectionately refer to him as my brother from another mother all the way up the East Coast. air Schirneweiss. What's up Irish? Hello! Hello!
2: Hello there, Steve. La, la, la. (laughs) If you can't get pumped up for Geek Out Loud with those opening themes, there's something wrong.
1: Well, I I say, dear boy, I know
0: exactly what you mean. I think we should do the entire podcast
2: speaking as such.
1: Well, here's what happens. When you start doing that, it is hard to get
0: out of a voice. It is. So you... (laughs) Indeed, <laughs> it is. <You> d- <laughs> well, yes, <yeah>, it
2: is. <laughs> it is. <Yeah>. <laughs> and not even sixty seconds, were off the rails.
0: We are.
2: <laughs> Indeed, sir. Indeed,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh man, we got a show. we've got we got a show lined up for you guys, and uh, of course we're going to do our usual Pass the Corn stuff, and um, here's what I'd like to do, Eric. I'd like to do Pass the Corn, for, we should have done that, I should have told you this before, but we were talking about bad movies, or a bad movie.
2: Well, that's because i got Fantastic Four on in the background.
1: Well, you know, just go ahead and put it out there. Um, we let, I think we should do the Pass the Corn first and then talk Civil War at the end.
2: You want to do Civil War at the end?
1: Yeah, is that okay with you?
2: Okay, but okay. before we get it to pass the corn, sure. I, want to talk, I want to talk a little Deadpool. Please do, quick yeah, yeah, man. I finally got to see it last night. Yeah. Now, did you do it, this? It d- hit video on demand, right. so I was able to to rent it mm-hmm. there. I I loved it. Good. I, I laughed beginning to end.
1: Yeah, I love the opening credits.
2: You know, they took. They were inspired by. Um, by honest trailers that's right heard, have, yes yes and, and there is a new honest trailer out for deadpool that features deadpool in it oh he, uh, he participates in it and he says that their are opening credits that they basically copied the end of all the honest trailers right so deadpool ryan reynolds is deadpool yes
1: nice nice yeah. that is awesome um Man, I tell you, I wish I could have thought of an honest trailers kind of situation back in the day.
2: Oh, I know. Like I, 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 I love honest. Trailers. I sit back and sit
1: I watch them. all of these great things that happen on the YouTube and what have you. And I mean, right down to people getting paid to open toys. I'm like, I've got, yeah. I've got nieces. I got a nephew that'll just sit and watch people open toys. And I'm like, who knew this was a thing?
2: Well, you could start like a YouTube show where you just hate on Star Wars.
1: Well, that's true. Apparently. Somehow, some way, you've become convinced that I hate Star Wars. I'm hoping to turn you around this episode, though. I'm
2: hoping. I'm hoping by the end of the episode, you may be turned around. Uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just full disclosure to everyone out there: Steve texted me this afternoon, and he's like, uh, "He's like, we got to get right into Passicorn because I'm going to spring something on you." Mm-hmm. And basically, <laughs> I've had to sit with that all day. My response though was that you hate Star Wars. I know this already. <laughs> Right, but supposedly at some point he's probably got some new Snoke theory, like you know, I don't know, Bib Fortuna is Snoke.
1: Oh, if only Bib Fortuna was Snoke. That actually could work. That'd be amazing. Like the
2: scars on his head could be from the Leku getting burned off off, the the sail barge explosion. Yes, yes, and and then like, let's get this started. Hashtag Bib Fortuna is Snoke.
1: And then the way and the way it. and the way it's revealed is he just looks at someone and he just goes, Eewonawonga.
2: Eewonawonga. Le
1: Jabba Nobara.
2: I take you to Jabba now. Maybe,
1: maybe that's why the name of that song in Maz's castle is Jabba Flow. Jabba maybe, maybe they're just laying bird crumbs down.
2: Yep. Yep. Wow. I think we need to see if this will go viral. Hashtag Bib Fortuna is Snoke.
1: All we have to do is just tag it with the right title, and yeah, it will. You'll never believe who Snoke is. <laughs> we just had an amazing epiphany
2: about Snoke. You'll never guess who we thought it was. Uh, so, I think we can still get invited to Celebration Europe if we pitch this as a panel discussion. Right. Right. They'll fly us over uh, j- yes. To, to host the panel. The greatest
1: Snoke theory of all time. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> that could spare panels, Snoke theories.
1: I feel like that would be one of the more contentious audiences at a panel.
2: It would be great, though. We'd just come oh. up with, you know, Chief Chirpa is Snoke. Oh, yeah. He had his hair burned off in the yep.
1: as a piece of the Death Star came crashing down on him. And it just happened to be a piece that the that a part of the Emperor's blood was on.
2: So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. I'd say let's do it. I'd say that let- <laughs> Alicia in, in the in the chat, Snoke is Bobby Ewing. <laughs> <laughs> Snoke shot Jr. <laughs> <laughs> One arm wampus. Oh, <No. laughs> the chat is running with this. It's
1: nice. Great. Well played. Well played. But back to Deadpool. Yes.
2: Um, yeah, I, I,
1: this is what I said about Deadpool, and apparently it got twisted that I didn't like it. I really enjoyed Deadpool, and because I think what worked about it is what works about any good comic book adaptation, and that is that the spirit of the character is there. Uh, the only criticism I had was this, that I really think they could have done it just as well without the over-the-top vulgarity. I don't I don't think that was as needed as maybe people felt like it was. But that's, you know...
2: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. But I think that... I think it, it, it's with that vulgarity, it's what separated itself from the sure. pack a little bit more. Yeah.
1: I mean, but dude, I was—I'm like you. I was laughing out loud at stuff. Um,
2: I mean, begin, the the very opening credits with all the fake credits right. up there. Yep. Uh, I was laughing all the way to the very end with the Ferris Bueller, even when he sticks his head back out and he goes.
1: Right. I the the small hand situation. Oh, the small hand is, was awesome. It's <laughs> some of the funniest cinema I've seen in a long time. I mean, so creepy. It was <laughs> so, so creepy funny. but it was so funny. It was so funny and um <clears throat> you know and I, and and his mission is just to get revenge, get fixed and and the guy tells him he's like I can't fix you, you know, yeah. I lied this whole time and and then for him to show her his face and spoiler alert you know she still loves him and everything. It's got that heart. It had a heart and a spirit to it that I think and hopefully, you know, we've talked about in the past, the lesson uh, that these that that these studios would take from this, and my real hope is that they'll take the right lesson, and that is the spirit of the characters are on screen right you know even though Colossus was done as a bit of a caricature of that character, it worked for what the movie was it worked for Deadpool
2: yes so yeah i I well and I still felt Colossus was kind of true to who the spirit of the character right right. Yeah. I love the line where he goes to the mansion and he's like, This huge house, and there's only two Two of you here. Why do I feel like we didn't have the budget for more X Men? Exactly. (laughs) Well, and two, and there's some subtle
1: things in there. Like Colossus is never not metal. Yes. He's even sitting there eating his breakfast cereal in his metallic form.
2: But that's what we want to see. That was what the exactly. things that was so frustrating exactly. about the actual X Men movies: is all we want is like awesome. We wanted this, yes, exactly. Exactly. We
1: exactly.
2: wanted him just pounding the, the well, the and when they out and
1: when they finally did show him metal up, it didn't have those lines that are in the comic book, you know, across him. Yeah. And this totally did. This had the, you know, I don't know what you call those, uh, but they were there, their lines, you know, like almost where the metal links up for them and that sort of thing. But, oh.
2: I like the other mutant, the, uh, his.
1: Negasonic. Yeah, Negasonic Teenage Warhead.
2: Yeah, and I loved all the Sinead O'Connor jokes that went along with her. Yes, (laughs) yes. Nothing compares to you. (laughs) I loved the soundtrack. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was a lot, a lot of fun.
1: It was, it was. And it's, you know, and it was a nice, refreshing bit of fun, you know, and it's just, you know, and I'm not a prude by any stretch of the imagination, um. but, and I'm not one of those people always like, well, they didn't have to have all that vulgarity, but, you know, I just, I really did. I'm like, the only thing is, is they, I really do feel like it would have been just as successful.
2: Well, and, and I would have seen it a lot sooner and I would have been able to take sure, my nephews to sure. it. sure.
1: Sure, uh, I've so, got a. Well, speaking of that, I the, um, I have a story about seeing Civil War that I'll tell when we get there. But the there was a little boy there, and he was talking about the movies he still had to see, and he's like, "Oh, and I got to see Deadpool," and his dad was like, "No, you won't be seeing Deadpool anytime." Yeah. soon.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like a half hour into the movie, I'm like, I could have taken the boys to see this, and then. You know all the stuff with the girlfriend starts. I'm like, right. yeah, no, yeah. I, I don't. All right, no, I don't want to have to explain what's going on in that. Oh right. no, I definitely yeah, no, don't no. want to, have to talk to him about this. Scene, exactly.
1: So. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Yeah, once you start going so through hello. the, yeah, once you start going through the calendar, you don't want to get on. You know, we don't want to explain those holidays to everybody. So, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you finally got to see it, man. And because you know we talked about it a couple of times. Uh, quite frankly, ignorantly, and um, uh, but I don't feel like we were too wrong. And also, I feel like we need to go ahead and make a confession about the last time we were together.
2: I was just going to ask you, yeah, if, if you got any, you got any feedback no, on that, no. on, our, on our reaction to the Doctor Strange trailer. Yeah,
1: I don't know if people read in the description because I did kind of confess at the end of the description of the episode, um, that uh. <laughs> Um, that we had that we recorded on the night that the Doctor Strange teaser was going to be debuted on on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, and we had not actually seen it, but we originally planned to record the next night so we could talk about it. And so what we tried to do was talk about the trailer as though we had seen it, and it was great while we were doing it because in the chat everyone's like, "Where have you seen this? Yeah, how Are wait, you seeing did I
2: this? I missed this. Wait, yeah, how did you see this already?"
1: And we never let anybody off the hook, and I felt and I felt really bad about that, but not apparently not bad enough to let people off the hook. And um, and and here's the one thing: the only thing we really because we stayed so vague. The only thing we really got wrong about talking about was, is I mentioned the way he did the magic. Yeah. And I mentioned the cape, but I'm a little bit like, if you watch that cape, that cape is moving around if it's on a cord. It's flopping we don't around. don't really
2: see him do any magic, and Mm-mm. we don't see the cape.
1: Yeah, right. Well, you do at the end, but, and, you know, in the, in, know, and I can make the case the cape is flopping around a little bit too much, you know, to be walking upstairs, so you know it's that cape of levitation that's always in motion. But, um, yeah, I what would you think of that trailer, though, once you saw it? The, te- uh, the teaser, it, I should say.
2: I, it was. It wasn't as exciting as the trailer that was playing through my head when we were talking about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was, yeah. was kind of let down because <laughs> my trailer was a lot better.
1: Exactly. That's. I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, oh wow, this is nothing like I described. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. but the one thing I did not consider was Benedict Cumberbatch with an American accent. Uh, you know, I didn't even
2: notice that.
1: Yeah. It's just in one little scene, he's like, I don't believe in blah, 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 you know. and uh, And I'm like, wow, that's Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent. That's pretty
2: impressive. I mean, look, I'm still excited to see the movie. Oh, heck yeah. I was going to yeah. see this movie regardless of trailers, so... Mm-hmm. A- and you know they've still got time to work. You know, all, uh, probably all those cape and magic effects that we were talking about aren't even done yet. So, mm-hmm.
1: right, right. There's a there's still a comes out in November, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a we've got a little ways to go. Um, yeah. So yeah, man. I look. I I'm still. You know, I, I'm looking forward to whatever else they release as it comes, as we get closer, and you know we'll see more and more as it goes on um as as we as we draw closer i think everyone's still in civil war mode right now though yeah and right um but dude let's get in this past the corn situation yeah so here we go let's pass the corn the Corn. Pass the Corn brought to you by you guys, the listeners at patreon.com. Your support helps all the shows out and we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Our featured supporter on this episode is George Hill, a.k.a. The Quiet Guy. Uh, As a baby, George never cried. As he grew, he never spoke. One day, when pressed to his breaking point with some bullies, he opened his mouth and uttered one word, stop. The bullies were knocked off their feet. The quiet guy has the power to shatter buildings with his voice, flip a car with a whisper. Enemies tremble when he clears his throat because they know one word is all it takes. That's George. What's that? He was (laughs) going (laughs) to say, Pourquoi? Pourquoi? You okay? I'm okay. You all right? All right. Um, Pourquoi? 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 So that's our feature supporter, George Hill, and we thank him for his support. We got a lot of new supporters at Patreon, so that ever-growing Geek Out Loud Goloverse Wall of Fame is going to have many additions to it here very soon, so uh, go check it out, and if you've supported in the past month or so, get ready to look for your name on the wall with your superpower. You can support us at geekout, uh, patreon.com rather, slash geekout loud, patreon.com slash geek out loud. Well, Erish, May is upon us. We have, May has, May has made, uh, May has happened. We've we've experienced everything that early May gives us, such as Star Wars Day, etc., and we're in it, man. We are in it. Um,
2: we are. Uh, unfortunately, I think the best of May has already passed us, but...
1: Yeah, yeah, which we'll talk about here momentarily. Yeah. Um, so this Friday, May 13th... <laughs> Ooh, spooky! <laughs> I love that... <laughs> I almost said it. I almost just read it the way it was written, by the way. Ooh, spooky. A um, uh, limited release movie called High Rise. Uh, Robert Lang, um, <clears throat> this is a story about a well-to-do doctor, Robert Lang, played by Loki himself, Tom Hiddleston, moves into the 25th floor of an experimental high-rise apartment complex on the outskirts of London in 1975. Period piece. Attracted by the upper-class lifestyle promoted by its architect, played by Jeremy Irons, the building is secluded from the outside world and functions as its own autonomous community. In addition, it's organized by a rigid caste system with the least wealthy residents situated on the lower floors. Lang befriends a documentary filmmaker, played by Luke Evans, who lives on the second floor and soon becomes aware of the social inequities. Within the complex, as tensions between the tenants boil over and all-out war erupts that divides the classes into violent tribes vying for the top floors, Ben Wheatley directed this wildly <laughs> imaginative and chaotic adaptation of J.G. Ballard's 1975 novel, which was itself an adaptation of *Lord of the Flies*.
2: Oh, I did not know that.
1: I didn't either. I was just making it up.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> This is a a picture that, you know, if you follow sites like io9 and and places like that, it's been getting a lot of attention over the last few months. It did the festival circuit tour. Um, People seem to really be digging on it. It doesn't have a wide release. I think, you know, much like a lot of the other movies that have been on my list the last few months that I've wanted to see, you know, Midnight Special, which... Still waiting to see. Yeah, I still haven't seen it Um, either because it's not playing anywhere around me. Uh, It's going to be one of those, but uh, you know, it sounds it sounds good. It's got a great cast. Uh, Could be kind of a cool '70s vibe sort of sci-fi piece. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not familiar too much with the director Ben Wheatley. You know, I looked him up on IMDb and I wasn't familiar with any of the stuff that he had done.
1: But I'm looking at a picture of him. He looks like he'd fit right in with us. Yeah. Big bearded guy. Yeah. So, um, uh, dude, this is an intriguing... Yeah, this is one of those intriguing things. And, and this is one of the things I love about doing this this whole segment with you is, is I'm introduced to things that I probably wouldn't hear about until a year, two, three, maybe years down the road when I just happened to watch it somehow.
2: This and- could be... This has the potential this summer of, of sort of being like Snowpiercer was, mm-hmm. you know, where it's that little movie that you know starts to catch on and people slowly start to talk about. And I mean, with look with Tom Hiddleston leading the thing, that's going to bring it a lot of attention.
1: Right. Right. Well, there. when you've got Tom Hiddleston and Jeremy Irons in the same, yeah, thing for crying out loud, I mean that's that's a pretty big deal in and of itself for you know for. Movie geek aficionados and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I just like the idea that there's this... <laughs> it's an apartment building, high-rise apartment building, and it's like, hmm, the wealthy are going to live up top. And the people who are down on the bottom... I mean, how bad are those bottom floors? Are they, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's the thing. Are the wealthy just throwing their trash down the stairwell? I'm like,
2: Well, you know... <clears throat> Someone who's lived in New York for like 20 years, it's not all that different from the way the city is now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I mean, the the building that I work in, our uh, random house offices, you know, the top floors are penthouse apartments. Oh, wow. You know, it has a separate entrance from the the main office entrance, Um, and, you know, and a lot of the buildings, like the first or second floor are retail spaces, it's where your store's Restaurants, banks, etc., are, and then you've got office space in the middle of the building, and then the top floors, which you know, for realtors, are the most desirable ones, are you know, converted to uh, residential space. Hmm. For the, I don't think I don't think it's going to be as extreme as we're going to find in this movie. Right, right. You know, there already is a bit of a caste system in place, and I'm sure. Cities like Chicago are the same way, major metropolitan areas like that. All for the view, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. Because I'll be honest with you, if I'm if if, if you really think about it, is it the safest place to live up, up at the top of the high rise?
2: If you can get a chopper to the roof to get out quickly, it, sure. it, it, right, and then, and then therefore
1: get to the chopper,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, also, May thirteenth, Money Monster with George Clooney and Julia Roberts. It's a, it's basically about a a, a TV stock market guru um, and his producer who get held hostage by Jack O'Connell uh, playing the the man who takes them hostage uh who lost his life savings because he took the financial advice of this of this T V stock market guy. Um the captor soon forces the pair to probe a conspiracy involving the global economy. So Jack O'Connell is playing Jesse Ventura. <laughs> this movie is directed by Jody Foster.
2: Yeah, so I mean picture a show like Bad Money. Right. Jim Kramer. Mm-hmm. You know, George Clooney playing the Jim Kramer kind of role doling out his wisdom on the stock market and giving advice. And in the middle of a live broadcast, this guy just shows up on set with, you know, he's got a gun. I I don't remember from the trailer whether he had a bomb strapped to him or not. But, you know, he basically hijacks the show. Um, And him being on the show then leads to them actually doing some Investigative work and uncovering a bigger conspiracy. So,
1: yeah, it it sounds almost like uh, someone's uh, dream uh, of happening, like the Fox Business or something. Yeah, like oh, we'd love for someone to run in on Neil Cavuto and do this. Um, <clears throat> but uh, this, obviously, it's a it's a vehicle for Clooney and Roberts to shine. I would imagine.
2: Yeah, it's A list talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I'm not going to rush out to see. No, 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 no.
1: I tell you what, it reminds me of. It reminds me of, uh, in some ways, that uh, uh, just thinking about it, you know, with the with the level of talent here, was it the negotiator with Denzel Washington back in the late '90s? You know, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, and
2: also uh, there was the Spike Lee joint. Um, I believe it was Inside Man. Yes, yes. Clive Owen and, and and Denzel. Yeah, and Jodie Foster. So it kind of feels like it's in that same mm-hmm. mode, yeah. And I mean, those were good movies; they were entertaining, right. but well, nothing it's a, that I feel I need to see in the theater,
1: right? It harkens back to that kind of style of movie from around that time period, where it's not necessarily a genre film, or or it's just one of those movies that it's a it's a story that gets told on screen, and it's like here you go, you know, it, it'll probably make money because of Clooney and Roberts being in it, and yeah, um, you know, Jodie Foster directing, so. Uh, you know, I don't think we'll I don't think it'll spin into a franchise. Money monster two, the <laughs> reckoning, you know.
2: <laughs> the Tubmans are falling. T- <laughs> it's
1: raining Tubmans over Wall Street. Uh next week, uh Friday, May twentieth, it's uh it's a battle of kind of the comedies, maybe? I don't know.
2: Uh, yes, little something for the parents, a little something for the kids.
1: little something for the uh, the fans of a particular director. Uh, neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. Uh, uh, neighbors is a movie that I didn't know begged a sequel, Irish,
2: Yeah, I didn't know either.
1: It's Seth Rogen uh, and uh, Rose Byrne um, co-starring Zac Efron. This is the sequel to the movie where they were in a war with their neighbors, which happened to be a frat house, I think.
2: And surprise, surprise! It's now sorority house next door. And what's neighbors three gonna be like? Preschool. Right. Neighbors three. <laughs> oh, here's a mashup. Neighbors three and daddy day camp.
1: Oh man, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> throw a little, throw a little uh, meatballs in there. And what they're they're caught between warring camps. Yeah, warring yeah. summer camps. What
2: is Seth Rogen gonna do when? Two-footers move in next door. That's right.
1: <laughs> by the way, I've just been caught on the carpet by um, Daniel and Indy. The negotiator was Samuel L. Jackson, he's telling me.
2: Oh, yes. And yes. I said Perfect.
1: Denzel. So, wow, at least I'm not on KTLA making that kind of mistake. <laughs> and also, it was 18 <laughs> years ago. So, if something's almost 20 years old, I'm allowed to forget who... Uh, Samuel, what was Denzel in the movie with the hostages um, Inside Man. Oh, was it Inside Man?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, I thought I was thinking of something else too.
2: There might have been another. One.
1: Was it wasn't he one? Wasn't there one where he was like John Q? Thank you, Daniel and Indy. John Q, where he's the he he's he's held he holds them hostage to get his son medical treatment. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, also coming out next Friday. You know what, Eris, I'm going to be honest. You asked me in the thing, do you really need to see the trailer for this? <laughs> and I got to tell you, I did because I haven't seen it. Um I've seen posters since I've been at the movies recently. Angry but, Birds movie, the Angry Birds movie.
2: But it's it's round birds fighting round pigs. I mean,
1: right. We... <sighs> How are they going to make this work?
2: I don't know. Let me, uh,
1: let me ask you this question real quick. Talking about this idea of the Angry Birds movie, when you first heard they're doing a Lego movie, did you have any inkling that it would be good?
2: Um, Yeah, because there had been Lego games out. And we saw, hmm. you know, you go back okay. and you look right. at the Lego Star Wars games yeah, and how right. witty and clever and funny they were mm-hmm. in it. Right. You know the storm you open the door and there's stormtroopers in a hot tub. Yeah. You no know, yeah. with bathing suits on and their That's buckets. Right. That's right. You know, it just the humor throughout that those games in, in all of those Lego games that mm-hmm. came out before the Lego movie mm-hmm. like gave you a little bit of hope that okay this you know if they channel that same creativity they put into the games the movie could be entertaining.
1: I re- but I retract the point I was going to make. <laughs>
2: But the Angry Birds game, you know, I'll admit I have wasted plenty of time playing Angry Birds on trains and planes and stuff. But all it is is pulling a bird back on a slingshot and shooting it at pigs. That's right. You know, there's no real story. There's, you know, so I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, look, it could be great. It's got, you know, look, it's got Jason Sudeikis, Josh Gad, Danny McBride doing voices. Love all those guys. Yeah, so. it's just—it's
1: just a matter of how it's constructed. I mean, this will probably make a lot of money.
2: Oh, I know my youngest nephew wants to yeah. go see it. I so.
1: can't—I can't imagine a world uh, where you know, especially the world in which we live, where for some reason this just doesn't end up getting like two or three sequels.
2: You know what? This weekend too—Friday, uh, May twentieth. Mm-hmm. Neighbors two, Angry Birds, and then we'll get to the nice guys in a minute. Angry Birds. I would not be surprised if it wins the weekend easily.
1: I, I I wouldn't surprise me. I'm I'm like you. I don't I I don't see where, as much as the movie I would be looking for out this weekend is the Nice Guys. It doesn't surprise it. It doesn't surprise me that this would be the one that ends up taking just because of the yeah. kids, just because yep. of the children. Yeah.
2: And also with the neighbors, look. You see the trailer. You've seen everything funny in the movie.
1: That's true. That's how that usually works with these things.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, we mentioned That's how the na- I felt after the first one.
1: After the first neighbors. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, all the funny stuff was in the trailer.
1: Yep. Well, I, I look. I haven't seen the first one, so I'm not. It's it's a it's a lot to sell me on a comedy. I don't know why, because I enjoy laughing, but they're my taste in comedies are kind of. I don't know if they're weird.
2: Also, can I just say I'm really tired of the fat stoner doofus Seth Rogen.
1: Now, are you saying you're tired of Seth Rogen, or you're tired of him playing that character? No,
2: because he's good in some things, but this this doofus stoner character that he plays a lot, I'm just tired of it. It Mm -hmm. it's it's not funny to me, you know. And that that's him in the neighbors movies. was him in that? I, I recently saw the the Christmas movie that he just did, um, and, and you know he was just the, the crazy stoner dude in that. It, like, I just it's like enough with it already, you know, with the <laughs> like stupid <laughs> laugh he has and everything. Ladies
1: and gentlemen, Irish doing the Seth Rogen patented
2: laugh. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't even close to it, but that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. um... The guy's talented. He's he is. a talented writer. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I, I, I'd let, look, This Is the End was brilliant. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. But this dumb turn your brain off comedy stuff that he keeps putting out, and granted, that's probably where he's making his money. It's just, it's boring already. Yeah. You're better than that, dude. I There's
1: a Seth, there's a Seth Rogen movie I kind of like that I don't think a lot of people do. Uh, the Green Hornet, I actually enjoyed.
2: I think you're one of the few. I am
1: one of the few. I am one of the few. Um, I, I recognize that it is 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 almost related to the Green Hornet in name only. You know, I recognize his characters a little bit off and not quite. You know what? It, but I um, I thought that uh, I I I don't know. I laughed and I enjoyed it when I was supposed to and that sort of thing. So. Uh, You know, I don't own it, but it's one of those that if it's on, I'll stop and watch it. So Uh, let's talk about the nice guys real quick, man. Uh, Private investigator Holland March, as played by Ryan Gosling, and uh, muscle for hire Jackson Healy, played by Russell Crowe, become unlikely partners when they find themselves both looking for the missing Amelia, played by Margaret Qualley, Uh, following the recent death of a high-profile porn star. Amelia's ties to the actress are unclear. But as other members in the porn industry show up dead, the stakes of the investigation are raised much higher than the duo could have anticipated. With the help of March's teenage daughter, Holly, uh, their sleuthing unearthed the sprawling corruption that runs high up in the federal government. Shane Black directed this action buddy comedy with Ken Bassinger and Matt Bomer co starring. Um, Shane Black, man.
2: He's, I, I can't wait to see this movie, and it's because of Shane Black. Right. This is this feels
1: almost like a return to form for him in some ways, you know, cuz he did the Lethal Weapons. He did the 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 long, the Last Boy Scout, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Um and you say the Amazing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is
2: so good.
1: And uh and so but yeah, this type Basically of
2: Basically he had, it kind of disappeared for a little while. Mhm. And then and then he came back and he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, right? With uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer, mm-hmm. and just a fantastic movie. The writing was brilliant on it. It was it was one of those movies that kind of put R.D.J. back on the map again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that led to him working with uh, Downey Jr. on Iron Man three, and now he's like red hot. I, I, rdj is red hot but shane black is right, back right. again too you know he's working on uh the predators or the predator mm-hmm. sorry um he's signed to do uh to write direct doc savage you know he's he's killing it again yeah well uh, but I, this this one look to me looks like it's in the vein of kiss kiss bang bang you know, uh mm-hmm. like a but he does the buddy stuff so well. Oh well, Lethal Weapon one and two. He wrote it. Yep. Um, you know. and uh Last Boy Scout. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, this one again look, you know, a little quirky, some kind of goofball action antics in it and stuff. I mean there's like in the trailer there's a scene with um with Ryan Gosling meeting with a client, and the client is an, an older lady, and you know she she wants to hire him to find her husband who's gone missing, and you know he Ryan Gosling's just staring at her husband's urn, sitting on the thing on the on the mantel. You know the woman's like, and he's like, "Ma'am, have you not seen your husband since the funeral?" <laughs> she,
0: she's like,
2: yeah, that was the last time he's been missing since then and he just kind of like, okay, I'll take this case for you sort of thing. Mm. Uh but you know that kind of kind of quirky sort of stuff. Yeah, so. it's well,
1: and you know, it, Iron Man 3 is a movie that I once I got over the twist because I did not like the twist the first time I saw see, it. See,
2: I thought the twist was brilliant. Well,
1: and see, and I admitted it. I admitted it in my oh, the first time I ever talked about it on the show. I was like, look, I know this is a geek, fanboy reaction, but the minute that it was revealed that Ben Kingsley was not really the Mandarin, he was an actor playing the Mandarin, I just was turned off, and I had a hard time. But upon revisiting the movie, it's really good. And Ben Kingsley's performance is fantastic. And of course, you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s Robert Downey Jr. And I really, I do like Iron Man 3 a lot. And, uh, and Shane Black's part of the reason for that. I, you, he, he is, you know. And then I, I go back to, listen, all you have to, the only thing you have to say is Lethal Weapon 1 and 2. Yeah. To me. You know, not... Uh,
2: those two Lethal Weapon movies are, they're just brilliant. They're
1: fantastic. And The Long Kiss good night. With Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson, I got it right. Um, I love that movie. I I just I I I remember. We haven't even talked about the Monster Squad. Well, Wolfman has nards. (laughs) So, and you know, I never saw the Last Action Hero.
2: Oh, Last Action Hero is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I never saw it.
2: Oh, it's so good. I remember when it was out. There's a lot of good stuff in that movie.
1: Yeah, so I'm looking forward to checking this out. I think it'll be really good, a lot of fun. The the team-up of Gosling and Crow is just weird enough to catch my attention. Yep. You know.
2: Uh, moving yeah, this on. This is... Go ahead. I mean, now that Cap has opened and seen that, Nice Guys is the big May movie sure. for me.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah.
2: Even with what's coming May 27th? Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, first of all, May 27th, Alice Through the Looking Glass. This is a uh uh sequel to the uh the Johnny Depp Mad Hatter movie, uh Alice in Wonderland and um I just I look, I don't mean to sound it, we'll talk about this on Disney Vault talk and I'll let Teresa kind of talk about it and everything because I just don't care to see it. It's not a it's not my style. It's not my thing, you know.
2: It's uh, as I wrote in the notes to you, it's just the mad hatter's top hat full of CGI noise. Sure.
1: Yeah. And um,
2: the, the the trailer played before Captain America when it was done I turned and looked at my nephew Ethan and we just both had the what did we just see yeah. <laughs> kind of look on our faces. Um just a mess.
1: Also coming out that day is a movie I will go see. But I can't say that I'm just extremely excited about it it's x men apocalypse
2: um I'm con- same boat as you are
1: yeah continuing continuing to do their thing with kind of doing these x men movies as period pieces. This one's going to be now set in the nineteen eighties and uh Apocalypse comes to town, and as played by Oscar Isaac, you know, which I think is a good grab uh ever since they first released those pictures of him, and he was getting compared to Ivy from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Uh, they've gone back and apparently worked some things out because on screen he looks really cool. Um, you know, everything looks fine. Uh, you know, more recent trailers have had that last shot with the claws popping. Uh, and um, I, but I, I tell you, the thing that stuck out to me in watching one of the first trailers is they go through the whole trailer, they do their thing. And the music is building and all this stuff. And then the last shot is the doors to Cerebro open, and there's Professor X sitting in a wheelchair bald. And I'm like, this is the thing that's supposed to grab me, is that he's bald now? Yeah. You know, I've seen bald Professor X. You know, we had Patrick Stewart, who was perfectly cast to play him. I love the cast that they have, these younger people, you know, the James McAvoy and the... And the and the guy who plays Magneto, whose name just completely left my mind, Fassbender. Uh, thank you, Michael Fassbender. Jennifer Lawrence, I thought has done, has done great, and it, it's not that these people haven't been good in the roles. I I don't know. I didn't. I never was big into X Men, even as a Marvel comics kid, because there was just too much of it for me, especially as we hit the '90s. And and I think that's maybe what's happening here with this. It's like, all right, you know. It's the X-Men, and now we're just kind of rolling through the Rose Gallery, which is fine. You know, I, I guess the next one will be set in the 90s, and it'll be Mr. Sinister. Um,
2: oh, no, I hope not. <laughs> I just... But, uh, Mr. Sinister is just such a boring character to make.
1: Listen, I, I there's not... And, and Bald-Headed Rod has got, has got to come on Geek Out Loud at some point. And... Um, and talk X-Men with me because my thing with X-Men has always been that the, everything they do, it became this pretentious thing. You know, everything that, that they did in the comics and even these stories just became so pretentious. And so even when you're watching that these trailers, you know, the way it builds and the way things, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, quit trying to teach us lessons in the trailer. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, you know, I, um, uh, well, yeah. but it's not a hate, you know, that's the thing. I don't want anyone to, you know, I don't want them to pull what you've pulled with the Star Wars situation <laughs> and, and start accusing me of hate. Because again, my butt will be in a seat to watch this and I won't no, be hate watching And that's it. the
2: thing. We love these characters. We want these movies to be great. Mm-hmm. And we just, we get... I just get disappointed. This movie, the trailers that we've seen for it, it, it I just said it about Alice. I'm going to say it about this one. It's just a load of CGI noise. Yeah. It's a bunch of digital garbage up on the screen. That's all I'm saying from it. Yeah. so And I was so excited about this one because when Brian Singer came back to the franchise with first class and then with, uh, I can't remember the name of the second one, the Days, one.
1: Days of Future Past. Days of
2: Future Past. Great X-Men stories. Mm-hmm. Those were good movies. I and, really liked and, First Class a lot. And that he's going to bring Apocalypse into this one now and the Four Horsemen and everything. I was so excited for this. And I've just been so underwhelmed by what they've shown. And what I find really curious is that generally when a movie is bad, Studios don't allow people to see it in advance. Right. Because they don't want early bad word out there. Yeah. And, you know, Entertainment Weekly ran their review of this movie already and they gave it a C. Really? And and it's just across the board, I'm seeing very meh reviews from people. And this is two, two and a half weeks before the movie even opens. Yeah. And so it's like, what is Fox doing?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't, you know, i I don't know if there's X Men fatigue out there, but I also know there's a lot of people who just automatically love this franchise and love these characters.
2: But there's clearly not X Men fatigue
1: out there because Deadpool just made a bajillion dollars. That's, you make a great point. You make a great point. Um, I don't. Yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, you look at the franchise as a whole. And you have to include those first three movies in there because as of Days of Future Past, we found out they were part, part of everything. It, yeah. um, and so you look at the franchise as a whole, the first X-Men, really, you have to credit that movie, as it, as good as Blade was, you have to credit that movie with ushering in the new era of superhero films. Yes.
2: Yeah. And it was a good movie. The it second was. movie was a great the movie. The second
1: movie was fantastic. I like the third one. I know the flaws and the problems of the third one. Um, I feel like they should have gone with either one story or the other, and they tried to smash two of them together, two big stories together. Right. Uh, you know, and so when First Class hits, it's like, wow, this is a great idea to reboot this franchise.
2: I thought my my only my only quibble with First Class was we basically got like the C and D level mutants mm-hmm. in that movie, right? Because they had used all the Mm a-listers already right but other but they still made a fantastic movie with those c and d level mutes. see
1: i feel like what they were doing with that was this is literally the first class you know and and there's a lot that went wrong yeah
2: but we know who the first class was, really right we know and and if we're gonna truly see a first class movie we want to see it with the Mm a-listers
1: That well, original
2: what, first class. And that's but, what we're getting here, basically. Yes. So, and that was one of the other things that, you know, Oh, okay. We're going to see young Scott. We're going to see young Jean, you know, that was exciting. We're going to mm-hmm. finally see this starting to come about. And, you know, even the four horsemen, I was, you know, we're getting, we're getting, we're getting uh, Archangel. Archangel. Yes. And I loved Magneto being one of the horsemen. And, I thought that the casting of the Munster as uh, Psylocke was great, um, but just the trailers—it's there's no character, there's no heart, there's no soul in it. It's just look at what we can do with computers now.
1: Mm-hmm. And what's with the trend of everything disintegrating into sand these days?
2: I was just talking to somebody in the office about that the other day. It's like such a boring superpower. It
1: just kind of happens, and it's like it feels it feels. Uncreative, and it feels like they they have no other way to go or to or show. I don't know. It's just weird. It's a weird thing to me.
2: I am I literally watching it happen in Fantastic Four right now. Yep. <laughs> the portals open, and everything's yep. kind of disintegrating into rocks and sand, and going right. up into the thing.
1: Yeah, it's it's not. I don't understand that trend in in some of these superhero movies oh. these days. But
2: Hollywood make it stop. But weird. I'll
1: be there hoping for the best. You know. And, uh, and, and we'll let you guys know, of course, what we think. We've also got some anniversaries this month. This is
2: of anniversaries.
1: This is, when I saw this list, I'm like, are you serious on some of these things?
2: It's May, baby.
1: Wow. So, 40 years ago, do the math, because I'm not.
2: Uh, I, put one, I put this one on here just because of who is in the movie.
1: The Man Who Fell to Earth. Tell me about this movie.
2: I, I've actually not seen this movie. But this is this is the one with David Bowie where he played oh, okay. uh, uh, the alien or angel or whatever who kinda came to earth. It's okay. one of the things that you know got a lot of attention recently sure. when he passed away. There was right. a lot of talk in this movie. Okay. I've never but seen it either. I've not seen it and it's one that I wanna see, need to see.
1: Thirty years ago, nineteen eighty and Top Gun. Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis, um Meg Ryan, the guy who played Goose. Uh Val Kilmer. Anthony Daniels, man. Ant- Anthony Daniels played
2: Goose? Was Didn't he? The C3PO? Oh no, no, no. Uh sorry. <laughs>
0: Anthony, Anthony C3PO.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I believe I you're mean, going to have to do it's uh I
2: mean, I'm close.
1: Um I've I'll see it and I'll and I'll be kicking myself when I see it. Um I'm
2: firing up IMTB right now. That's what now. Anthony
1: Edwards, Anthony Anthony Edwards. Thank. Edwards, yeah. His old goose. Uh yeah, man, this this movie is a chick flick disguised as a dude's movie.
2: Oh, come on. This movie was awesome. I'm not it's not a criticism. It's I I freaking love this. I was in high school. Everybody loves it.
1: it. I freaking love this movie. One of the greatest soundtracks of all time. It's Kenny Loggins at some of his best. Playing,
2: playing with the
1: boys. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking more of Danger Zone, but you know. (laughs) I wasn't wasn't going to the volleyball scene, (laughs) Eric. Nice. Come on, the
2: volleyball scene is famous. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, the it's... volleyball scene is just as famous as Val Kilmer like snapping his teeth closed.
1: Oh, how did he do that? Surely that was a, some Foley work going on there. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, Top that Gun
2: was, they would do that with CGI,
1: right? Exactly. And his teeth would—they
2: would... the, wouldn't want the actor to have to risk hurting his perfect right.
1: whites, cracking a tooth.
2: But so a also... stunt double would be brought in, and the whole <laughs> head would be CGI'd. Yeah. The whole right. Extravagance, and then they
1: a, and they'd still catch it in ADR, yeah, with some foley work. Uh, also, thirty years ago this month, Sylvester Stallone as Cobra. Marion Cobretti. Man, that is, that movie is just an over the top. Like if you want '80s action movie, you got to watch Cobra.
2: So I skipped out of the second half of school to go see this with my friends, and then had to go back to school afterwards so that my mom could pick me up and wouldn't know and wouldn't know that I skipped out of school to go see Cobra. Did did your plan work? Yes. Way to go. Way to way to,
1: <laughs> way to subvert your education for <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. You know what these two movies have in common, don't you? Top Gun and Cobra. Other than the fact that it came out the same month in 1986 these no, these two movies are responsible for the rise in sales of mirrored aviator sunglasses
2: ah
1: I mean just both of them look at right. what Cobra's wearing look at yep. what uh, Maverick's wearing man it's all about it yeah Cobra is a quintessential eighties action It has to be up there with your commando uh with with some of your first blood what uh, was
2: what was the line from Cobra on the disease endure the cure I thought he said, you're the disease and I'm the cure. You're the disease and I'm the cure.
1: (laughs) You're the disease. I'm the cure. Yeah.
2: Uh, Doesn't he say it over the
1: loudspeaker in the grocery store? Yes, like at the beginning, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I've got to watch this movie. He
2: pulls up in his hot rod. There's like 40 cops out there and he just goes in all alone.
1: Look, there are a lot of good movies on this list of anniversary movies. And I'm telling you what, the one that I really want to go rewatch now talking about it is Cobra. That's
2: I, I want to go rewatch the next one.
1: Yes sir, 25 years ago, 19, Was that 1991? Yep. Wow. What about Bob? Bill Murray. Ray, Richard Dreyfuss. So funny.
2: I love this movie. So funny. This is one of Bill Murray's best movies. It's a
1: this is a classic. If you've not seen What About Bob, you are not you have not lived life. You have not lived. You need You need to, to baby
2: step your way to seeing What About Bob. Yes. You
1: baby step.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like when I did that? I did. I did. I'm sailing. <laughs> I'm sailing. Oh, oh man. just so much good stuff in that movie. And, and, the, and Dickie Dreyfus is fantastic Dickie in this. Dreyfuss. You're good friends, huh? You call him yes. Dickie. Okay, yes.
1: all right. Good for you. Uh, I, I didn't realize you were that close with him. Yes. Have you ever talked to him about Jaws? I haven't. Okay, well, you should next time you uh, see him.
2: We talk about The Graduate a lot. Uh, should m- I call the cops? I'll call the cops.
1: Mr. Holland's opus, you ever throw that out at him? Like, hey, how'd you do that? Uh, Thelma and Louise also came out this month, 25 years ago. Um... This is this too is a classic.
2: You know, that's how we're going to go out, Steve. Just you holding hands over in a convertible, Grand Canyon, yeah. holding hands. Yeah, all right. Polaroid picture of us.
1: Okay. I mean, sure. It's kind of a depressing ending, but it is what it is. Um,
2: I was. Uh, this is the one that's getting a lot of attention right now, mm-hmm. I, and in a recent Entertainment Weekly that I happened to read on the way home today, they had an interview with. Gina Davis and Susan yeah. Sarandon, and it, they were talking about the ending and how depressed people were about the ending. And they said that they were really surprised by it. That they thought they were kind of doing a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid sort of thing. Yeah. Um. And so the ending kind of took them. The reaction to the ending when the movie opened took them by surprise.
1: Well, and and it's kind of a weird shot where the hand where the camera just kind of zooms in on them grabbing each other's yeah. hands and. And the next thing you know, they're just Dukes of hazard in it off the cliff, man.
2: <laughs> Spoiler it's alert. Movie, though. I, I still dig this yeah, movie. It's, it it's is, on. I will watch it.
1: It's a classic. It's a classic. Man, 20 years ago. Gosh, has it been... Oh, my Lance. I'm so old, Irish. I'm so old. This was sophomore year of college. The summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college these things came out. Helen Hunt. Remember her? Yeah. Whatever happened to Helen Hunt? Uh, Helen Hunt is Bill Paxton? Yeah, Bill Paxton. Uh, a young, um,
2: uh, oh my gosh. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah. A young Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. That's no moon. That's a space station. Yes,
1: sir. Star Wars reference in <laughs> Twister. Twister. Uh, how do you survive a tornado? Tie yourself with your belt to some pipe that's sticking up out of the ground and Cow. just. And ride the storm out. We got cows.
2: Another cow.
1: That was a, actually I think that's the same cow. That was a I mean, man, this thing, this is one of those movies just got ingrained in pop culture mm-hmm. for for a season. It was Terry
2: Elways was in this.
1: Yes. Yeah, he was the rival, one, wasn't he? He was
2: as the evil storm chaser. As the evil weather man. <laughs>
1: I must have watched this thing five or six times in the dollar movie theater down oh, yeah. from campus. I mean, like it just became uh, just must watch movie stuff for us. Is it because when we got back to college the fall, um, this was this had made its way to the dollar movie theater. You right, know, three three months later, three four months later. Also in May, twenty years ago, man, Mission Impossible with Tom Cruise. What a great movie, John Voight. As the big bad spoilers.
2: Well, not just that—that that was the big twist in the movie. Right,
1: right. That was. Uh, I. This was a movie. I remember when this came out, and I remember thinking, "There's no way they'll make this work." And they totally did. It was so good. I loved Mission Impossible. I loved yep. the first Mission Impossible.
2: Had that awesome train helicopter sequence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at the end. Now, Aaron. And what's (coughs) crazy is, like, it was just last year that, you know, Cruz was putting out a completely awesome Mission Impossible movie. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, he's kept his franchise going for 20 years.
1: That is is ridiculous to think about because you don't think about it being 20 years ago.
2: No. No. And there's a couple that I put on here just because it's like, really hasn't been that long.
1: Well, and I'm looking at some of them and I'm like, good Lord. Uh, now the only the only reason I can think I I'm I mean I'm hoping one of two things well I'm hoping one of the two things I'm about to say is true. Either you put this on here because you know I legitimately have a love for this movie, or two, you just want to do a Sean Connery impersonation.
2: I just want to say I am the last one. That's right.
1: <laughs> Dragonheart with Dennis Quaid, the poor man's Chuck Norris. <laughs> and uh, i
2: swear that's the only reason
1: i put it i knew here. it when i saw it i'm like he just wants to do sean connery <laughs> <laughs> i am the last one <laughs> i love this movie when it came out dude i saw this two or three times
2: well and um, this was one when it came out and we were all crazy like yes sean connery doing the voice of the dragon that's awesome
1: yeah and then it was kind of this uh comedy thing at some points yeah. and the 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 music from this movie though has has lasted on in a lot of different trailers and, really? and stuff yeah yeah well it did for a few years and then they traded it up for bong and now the piano key just the single piano key okay um but yeah the uh the the I forget what it's called the music of the heart that doesn't sound right um I have the soundtrack I used to have the soundtrack on repeat back in the day when I was you know writing poetry and stuff um. <laughs> Um, with well, that, well, you know, Eris, I was, a, I was a young man in touch with my feelings.
2: You were, you were doing slam poetry uh, on the Dragon Knights, or That's something right. like that. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right. You remember this? Come on. In a world <laughs> where one man has to bear his soul for a cup of coffee. So yeah, I, dude, I, I I like. This that. is
2: the last poem.
1: In fact, Dragonheart—the first movie I ever bought digitally. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. So you put it on there just to do your Sean Connery, having no idea that I love this movie deep down. The sequels, not so much.
2: Well, after like some of your anniversary picks in the past, like Care Bears and stuff right. like that.
1: <laughs> no way.
2: You know, there, there was some they on here that I'm like, should I add this to it? Because this might be one Steve likes.
1: <laughs> now, wait a minute. I am I put that as a cultural touchstone of the times. Uh,
2: it, that's not the way you described it when it came up. It had some deep emotional no, resonance. It's, I, no,
1: it did not have deep emotional resonance. <laughs> um, anyhow, 15 years ago, this is what I... This, now we're getting into I Can't Believe. They're this old. Yeah. The Mummy Returns.
2: Now I put this on here because the first two Mummy movies I loved. Yeah, they, they were, were good, just fun, popcorn adventure summer flicks. Yep. Uh, Brandon-, Brandon Fraser was great in them. Rachel Weisz was like sexy and fun and like smart as hell and really cool. Um, and her crazy brother is now like the evil scientist on Shield. That's who he is.
1: Yeah. Oh, my. I've been pulling my hair out trying to figure out where do I know this guy from? And I refuse to end it because I don't want to, you know, I'm like, I wanted the satisfaction of it just coming naturally in a moment like this. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly who this guy is. Oh, thank you, (laughs) Eric. This Uh, has been the best episode of Geek Out Loud ever. (laughs) I'll change all that momentarily.
2: But they were just fun. And yeah. wasn't this The Rock's first movie too? Wasn't he the the Oh no, the Scorpion King was the next one. Was The Mummy 3. Was it? Right?
1: Th- was it? I thought The Mummy 3 was the uh the the Chinese uh, one. Oh yeah, no, maybe this was. I think it was because yeah, it was, was yeah, the because, Scorpion King at the end Because this was 15 years ago, it was 2001 Yeah, the Scorpion King was who they were fighting at the end Because it was I gotta know, I gotta know now Because I think so Because this then spun off the Scorpion King the movie the Scorpion
2: King standalone
1: Yeah, a few years later um, But I think it was how The Mummy Returns Is Brandon Fraser still in movie
2: jail? Uh... He just—I thought I just saw him briefly in something.
1: Yeah, this was this was the Rock as uh, Scorpion King, okay. because he even gives the people's eyebrow.
2: Yes, and then he
1: goes up to the camera, Digital Rock, and gives the people's eyebrow. Um, so digital Rock. And uh, and it was it
2: his first movie, I believe it was.
1: It was, yeah, it was his first appearance in a movie. It was a big deal, yeah. And then he got the full—you know—he got the lead in the Scorpion King, right. Proper. Uh, which had a pretty good soundtrack. Not the best movie of all time, but it had a pretty good soundtrack. Uh, also, this month, 15 years ago, 15 years ago, Heath Ledger, uh, The Vision, A Night's Tale. Gosh, this cast, when you think about this cast, you've got Heath Ledger, you've got Alan Tudyk.
2: Paul Bettany.
1: Paul Bettany is the name I was trying to think of as The Vision. Those three carrying this movie. Oh, so good. And such a fun take on a I on a period this, piece
2: this movie like makes the rounds kind of frequently on uh on the cable channels right and it's one of those that i will stop and watch mm-hmm. i love this movie
1: I, yeah i think it's great it was a surprise it was i remember going to see this and just being shocked at how much fun and how much i loved it i know?
2: love the way they worked in the, the modern rock music exactly into
1: it. yeah just like i was saying such a twist on the uh on a period piece like this with the music they use. Because it's not only, you know, it opens up with We Will Rock You and the people in the stands are actually doing the stomp, stomp, yeah. clap. Yeah. yeah, so <laughs> it's so much fun. Such a fun movie. Alan Tudyk became one of my favorite actors because of this movie. He was so funny. His timing is so yep. good in this. Um, and, I, and I defy anyone with that last speech that Bethany gives to introduce uh to to introduce uh, uh what's his Thatcher, William Thatcher, um, to not get chills run up and down your spine.
2: Sir William Thatcher uh, <clears throat> I love uh, the scene where they where he's in the stocks and the prince comes up and yes. like knights him. Yes. That's I just I, so I good. get all emotional. Yeah, me it. too. Uh Shrek
1: came out 15 years ago this month? Yep. Wow. You want to talk about a movie that just took the... I mean, in a world where Pixar was, look what we can do. And DreamWorks was like, well, we think we can do it too. And boom, here comes Shrek. Shrek is a good... Shrek and Shrek 2 really are good movies. Mm-hmm. And and we watched the heck out of some Shrek. Oh, uh, uh, the
2: first Shrek was so much fun. Yes, well, because it was so
1: out of nowhere in some ways. I mean, and obviously, brilliant they.
2: Brilliant casting. Yes. Eddie Murphy is
1: the donkey. Now I'm a flying, talking donkey. And in the morning, I'm making waffles. Is that your boulder? That's a nice boulder.
0: <laughs> yeah, Shack I, was I a love it. Fun. I love it when he's.
1: <laughs> he's like, why are you talking about an onion have layers? Why don't you talk about a cake? Cake is everybody loves cake. Ooh, you know what else has layers? Parfait. Ain't nobody ever said. You ain't ever said to someone you want some parfait. They say, "Hell no, you don't want a parfait." (laughs) I'm I'm slobbering. Just thinking about parfait right now. Love it. Love it. So good. And the scene. And there's little things like the scene with the uh, when they're coming up onto Farquad's castle, and the like. The Farquad (laughs) mascot is running through the little separating ropes, you know, back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's like, why is he... It's just little bits like that are so good, so funny. And, of course, the uh, the karaoke stuff at the end. Yeah. Man, man. You know, I've never watched Pearl Harbor, but it came out 15 years ago this yeah. month. Ben Affleck, huh?
2: It's, you know, it's got some good scenes in it. Yeah, yeah. Some good action scenes in it. It's got all the typical... This is, I felt like... I feel like this is the movie where Michael Bay really found himself. Mm-hmm. You know the patriotic American flag shots. The cameras on the floor looking up at the the heroes. You, you know, you don't uh, think
1: that was the rock?
2: Uh, I don't think I, he really perfected it in in okay. Pearl Harbor. I'll, I'll give it. I'll, I'll
1: allow it, but watch yourself, Counsel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah. I, look, I, I've never seen it though. I've never seen the Pearl Harbor. Um, that was, this was met with mixed reviews back in the day, as I recall.
2: It's like three hours long. And there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of, like, just, you know, Ben Affleck and Josh Hottnett, Josh Hottnest nonsense in it.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, were they a couple in this movie? No, oh, okay. but they're
2: like besties. Oh, okay. You know, and... it's the, know. It's
1: a Top Gun for the new millennium.
2: They're besties, and spoiler alert, you know, Ben can't wait for the war to start, so he goes over to England and flies for the Brits and gets shot down, and, you know, they think he's dead, and so Josh starts dating Ben's fiancée, oh, no. and they fall in love, and then, whoop Ben's back! Oh, no! You know, and right before the attack of Pearl Harbor, so you only have like two seconds to figure this all out before we have to go fight all oh the,
1: no, all the, the Japanese. Japanese together. Oh man, I've got to watch this movie tonight. You have you have sold me on this. <laughs> Ten years ago this month. Now this is where we re- listen. These last two things, these last two segments of years. Shut up. Right? And yeah, there's no way. 10 years ago Mission Impossible 3 saved the franchise. Um, cuz Mission and
2: Impossible. jump and gave jump started JJ J. Abrams. That's right. That's right. Dude, Philip
1: Seymour Hoffman was so good in Mission Impossible 3. Yeah. Do you have a girlfriend?
2: Well, and you never yeah. even we find out what the rabbit's foot wife. is. Wife. Uh right. You know you, they spend the whole movie chasing after the rabbit's foot, and we never find out what it is.
1: It's so good, you know. And, and, and
2: this was one where you know, this is where Tom started flexing his muscles a little bit,
0: mm-hmm.
2: wanted JJ to do this movie. You know, people were like, because Brian De Palma had done the first two, mm-hmm. um, and you know, people kind of questioned him like, can this guy handle? a big Hollywood movie like this. And, you know, Tom followed up with Brad Bird doing four and Christopher McQuarrie doing five. Yep. Yep. Kind of just out of, I want to say out of left field, but they're not because they were brilliant choices when you see how good the movies were. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But
2: before production, people were kind of like, this is out of left field thinking. This is, I mean, like
1: this really is, and we've talked about it when we talked about rogue nation, um, last year. Uh, this franchise has become kind of the American James Bond. Yeah. And and it really got going with this, you know, and um, because 2 was in many ways a big misstep. Um, I watched it recently. I watched 2 recently thinking, surely it's not that bad. And it's not that it's that bad. It's just that it didn't do anything to further mm-hmm. the franchise in any significant way. It was very much a product of of... You know, coming out of the 90s into trying to keep the same style of action movie over-the-top stuff alive. John Woo, people jumping off of motorcycles at each other. And even though you have stunts of, you know, Tom
2: Cruise... Tom Cruise did deliver the rock bottom, though.
1: That's true. He sure did. Or, if you were a WCW fan like myself, The Book End. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which Booker T's move. Um, when you... But when you... Even when you see Tom Cruise... Latch onto the side of a plane and hang on as it takes off. You still look at those motorcycle that that whole motorcycle scene where they're shooting at each other from two feet away and missing. And
2: you Are know, you talking about and five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole the whole car chase scene. Yeah, but
1: there's something about it that, e- that even though that stuff is over the top, it doesn't feel as over the top as watching some of the stuff that went on in two.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: And and so it's just you know it, it too was kind of in, in a lot of ways a misstep. But then this brought it back around. I remember thinking when I saw the first trailer for this thing, and are they really going to try this and do just that scene of him hanging uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character out of the plane, trying to question him? He's like, "Do you have a girlfriend?"
2: But even the scene where they rescue him on the bridge. That whole shootout on the bridge. Yes, yes. fantastic. Mm-hmm. With the drone coming in and stuff, and yep. leaping across the crater in the middle of the bridge, and like sliding over and under cars. Oh, it's so exciting! And like the bomb goes off and flings him against the side of the car. It's just wicked
1: cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a good movie. Also, this month, ten years ago, The Da Vinci Code with Tom Cruise, man, and Paul Bettany again.
2: And, and, and look, not that this was like a landmark movie or anything, and it, I probably would not have put it on the list except for the fact that we just got the trailer for the new Da Vinci Code movie. Okay, yeah, which was kind of underwhelming. Well, wow. you know, this is a franchise that's continuing to go ten years on.
1: Well, uh, and Dan Brown's books, man, have sold by the oh. by the millions. Trust me, I know. Um. That's our company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, And, you know, I read that, and look, having worked in the, working in the church and that sort of thing, when something like this hits and it gets the popularity that got, oh my gosh, the fires you have to put out left and right of, you know, questions and that sort of stuff, and, and, I, and I always had to come out, well, first of all, it is a work of fiction. But then, second of all, let's talk about all this stuff, you know. And and it opened the door for a lot of fun conversations about theology and that sort of thing. the The book is good as far as every you know. Dan Brown writes it so that every chapter is like a cliffhanger, right? So you have to keep reading. The movie doesn't quite work that well to me. Um, Tom Hanks works well, but but the movie doesn't have doesn't give you that setup, you know, in in the same way. But, uh, gosh, Ian McKellen was in this, as I recall. So, yeah, it was a big deal at the time, man. It was a big deal 10 years ago, as well as uh, this one, X-Men The Last Stand, probably outside of maybe the Wolverine Origins movie, uh, probably what a lot of people consider the weakest of the franchise, if not just a bad movie. A lot of people just kind of write it off as not being a good movie. (laughs)
2: But here we are, 10 years later, and just a couple weeks from a new X-Men movie opening. That's
1: right, that's right. Uh, this is, you know what? This is where that whole just people disintegrating started.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because that's what Jean Grey was doing, just yeah. turning him into dust. That's
1: right. They, she, well, we, maybe. We don't know if she did that to Scott or not, because his death scene happened completely off camera uh, as he went to go film Superman Returns, I guess. I don't know. Um. And are you telling me this is what's blowing my mind?
2: Yeah, this completely blew my mind, too. I, I actually triple-checked this one.
1: Five years ago this month, Thor hit theaters. Man, I mean, it seems like yesterday.
2: It does. It seems like the Marvel Cinematic Universe has just been, you know, like a couple of years long. Yeah. But you know you see this, and then you start to think about it, and you know technically, we're into phase three now, mm mm-hmm. so I- we're like what like twelve thirteen movies into it, something like that yeah so and iron
1: there- man Iron Man hit in two thousand and eight, so you're talking about eight years ago is when this whole yeah. thing started and by and by the time they got to thor um i th- I bel- I think the Disney buyout had happened at this point um because it happened somewhere between the time that they started this thing and before they got to Avengers. the Disney
2: buyout of Marvel. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, But, man, did you like Thor? Yeah. Okay, I did, too. I really liked it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. I watched it the other day, because I was kind of watching through a lot of the Marvel movies leading up to Civil War, and and, and for the first time watching it, the Dutch tilt started to get to me a little bit. Like, I, I... I realized, man, there's just a ton of these things. They do that Dutch tilt thing with the camera a lot in this movie. Dutch tilt? Where the camera's kind of tilted on a, a little bit, and so the, the, the shots look slanty. Oh, okay. Um,
2: I hadn't noticed that.
1: Yeah, well, I, and I'd noticed it, but I always... But there also seems to be a reason for a lot of them. You, know, you, if you, sir,
2: you sure it wasn't you and like a cerveza tilt? Yeah, maybe
1: I should have... <laughs> No, I don't. Couple too many.
2: No, no, it wasn't, no, wasn't. No, there wasn't. No, that wasn't just going sort on. Of no, to the side a no, little bit. No, yeah, I'm
1: sure it wasn't. It wasn't me. Uh, I got the level out. Um, Heavy
2: hoagie tilt.
1: Hoagie tilt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you Had a big sandwich in your hand. That was yeah, like just so kind of weighing me down.
1: Yeah, the pizza tilt. <laughs> uh, also, five years ago, bridesmaids, and that's another one I can't get over because this is a favorite of my sisters. My little sister loves this movie and it just seems like she's only been quoting it for, uh, you know, eight months
2: I put that one on this list for one reason and one reason Molly Someday somebody's gonna make you want to turn around and say goodbye Say goodbye till Till then baby You know you better hold down and make a cry Don't Don't you know?
0: know? (laughs) (laughs) When
2: Wilson Phillips shows up at the end of the movie, I was like Oh my lanta (laughs)
1: One oh, <laughs> all right that's all right let's get to
2: the big gun yeah let's get, let's get to People it want to hear us now
1: now before we do that Irish, let me go ahead and just get this out of the way
2: sprung this little surprise on me speaking of 90s music oh no are you going to tell me that captain america is snoke
1: I didn't think about that, but it very well could be. The super soldier serum begins to burn his face and stuff. Don't
2: pat an Oswalt on me. It, it, it finally... in the franchises.
1: Yes, it finally degrades the way that the Red Skulls did uh, right off the bat. And it has that same effect, and it causes Cap to go crazy.
2: What if Vision is Snoke? Like, when the Mind Stone gets yes, his head, it leaves him all deformed, and he becomes Snoke.
1: Yes, that's exactly what happens. Or it's right.
2: Ant-Man, and that's why...
1: Well. Be really that's boring. why he's so big yes he got stuck big and it drove him crazy
2: <laughs> there I'm we kidding. go new hashtag Ant-Man Giant Man is Snoke
1: Giant Man is Snoke. Um before we get into the Civil War real quick Uh speaking of 90s music I don't know Irish I'm not a big country music fan never really well, have
2: I thought been. for a second you were going to bust out Guns N' Roses Civil War no no but we should we should because that's just running through my head right
1: Give me time. Um, I I don't know what, how you feel about the country music. I'm not. A f- I, I take on some country music. Do you remember a group called Brooks and Dunn? Oh yeah. Okay, they did it. They did a cover. It's actually a cover of a song called "My Maria."
2: I freaking love that song.
1: All right. Well, Erish. Um. I don't know if you know. I every now and again I get these ideas in my head for parodies. And uh, and I just can't. Get them out of my head until I actually sit down, write them, and record
2: them. I am like so crazy excited right now. You are blowing my mind. So uh, I
1: wanted to... This song has already gone out to our Patreon supporters. And and Patreon supporters at any level can download this song at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Uh, But I wanted to debut the song here. This is a song about a, a franchise that I love called Star Wars. And about a character that is a new character that I learned to love named Maz Kanata. And uh, Erish, I just I, I wanted you to be here to, and, I, and I'm springing this on you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, you may want to mute your mic to listen. Uh, uh, no way! But,
2: you, gotta, you don't want my mic muted. You want my full reaction.
1: All right, but <laughs> yeah, you
2: know, look, you're not.
1: No, it's fine. It's fine. However, you want to do it, it's fine with me. I'm just gonna, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to count down from three. I'm going to play it, and I'm just going to put it out there for everyone. So here we go. In three, two, one.
0: Don't you know I've come a long, long way I escaped from some raft cars With a guy named Ben and a girl named Ray Masconata You wear big goggles on your eyes I get kind of freaked out when you them adjust their size. Gonna watch <laughs> You've seen some blue and sorrow time. You've got a bar for freaks and weirdos of all kinds. Got a lady. You've got a thing for big Chewy. You've got Luke's blue laser sword, he lost at Cloud City. <laughs> knows the force is strong in side of a ray first order came and- No,
1: freestyling I promise never to do this again
2: no you (laughs) need to do it again (laughs) that was amazing (laughs) Uh, that
1: promise—that's actually wow. in the song. The I promise never to do this again. Well, you're so out of breath by the end of that song that there's nothing you can do.
2: Oh, I have tried karaokeing that song it's, a number of times, it's and tough. it's so hard. Yeah, it's tough. But so, I mean, it's such a great song, and wow, Steve, that was <laughs> so so good. I'm
1: glad. I'm glad you liked it. I was really, I was really worried. I'm like, I'm going to spring this on airs, and this could go terribly no, you've mis- got
2: I mean where are you going to put this up you're going to do like a youtube thing for it or something because i want to share this with the world
1: well it's at like i say it's it's available for download for patreon supporters at any level at patreon.com slash geek out loud um i i'm not I, I i can't really put it up anywhere to to get any other type of funding off of it because i do use a karaoke track that's not mine so um so it's it's up there and people well, can, they'll
2: hear it on the show yeah
1: they'll hear it on the show uh it's it's there I um we'll be down in Florida in in a couple of weeks and uh and Daniel and Andy keep saying what if you have to do this live and there's no way I can do this song oh. live because pulling the curtain back the first couple of times you hear me hold that note out it was three or four takes worth of trying to get it right right and so then toward the end I'm like all right I'm just gonna try to do this and then I'll just if I mess up I mess up and it'll be funny but um, yeah, you—that is—you have to know how to breathe, and I do not.
2: Dude, just the lyrics you wrote for it are fantastic. <laughs>
1: well, thank you, thank you. I—it's—it's uh, it's no, I—you know, and I keep saying it. Someone even the one of the first response I got was, "Well, this isn't as good as that uh, Nickelback parody you did, but it's pretty good." I'm like, "Well, I know it's not as good as the Nickelback parody, but but it's good." So, uh, yeah, if you know, and, and and these things have to hit me. I'll hear a song or think of something, and it'll be like. You know what? I could do this, and usually it ends up being some type of Star Wars themed parody. Because contrary to cop- popular belief, I do love Star Wars. So <laughs> contrary to what Erich would have you believe, I'm a fan of uh, of the Star Wars. Well,
2: the Force is clearly strong with you, my friend. Well, my brother from another. Mother. I hear
1: you. So. So there you go, folks. If you want it, like I say, there's a download available for for uh, supporters at all levels at Patreon.com/slash/geekoutloud. And uh, now, Irish. Um, hmm. Let's...
2: I don't need no civil war. Well, he wants. Gets... He what? I what we like got him. here is yep. to
1: communicate. <laughs> That's from Cool Hand Luke, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Um man, Civil War, Captain America Civil War. This is the everyone knows. It. By the way, guys, right now I'm going to tell you spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you're in the chat and you haven't seen this and you don't want it spoiled, you may want to go. If you're listening to the podcast and um and uh and, Steve
2: Rogers is Captain America. And you haven't it's and you haven't seen it
1: yet, you may want to come back after you've seen it cuz cuz I'm going to spoil it uh for you. So, um here we go. Uh, Captain America Civil War. Dude, what do you
2: think? You know, I, I haven't quite figured it out yet. Okay. And, and, and not the movie, but what I think. Sure. You know, uh, going into it, like the, the week or so before, like last week, you know, the reviews were out, and I didn't read them, but, you know, you can tell by headlines and stuff that people were really digging on this movie. Right. I saw a lot of... Best Marvels movie yet, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. I'm not. I'm not going there with it.
1: Right, me either. Me either. I agree. Guardians is
2: still the top for me. It's up there. Um, it. At times, it felt very long. Hmm. Um. And but at other times, I, and I'm glad I didn't read a lot of stuff. I'm glad I stopped watching clips online for right. it.
1: Yes, because there
2: was a lot that surprised me, and the things that surprised me, I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the opening sequence with Cap and Falcon and Natasha and Scarlet Witch, you know, going after Crossbones. Yeah, some really really cool stuff going on there. I love like. You know, Cap will be fighting a dude, and he'll just kick the truck into him. Right, right. And it's like, yes, of course, Cap would do that. He's strong enough to do that. Like, I love that they work little things like that into into the fight sequences. They work the environment into it in different ways, ways that we don't see in other, you know, superhero movies or whatever. Um, I, I, I dug that whole sequence. I dug you know scarlet witch protecting cap from the explosion and then the consequences from that like it all worked Mm -hmm. it all worked but there just seemed to be there there were scenes that just i you know call them the talking scenes right right that just seemed to really put the brakes on you know you're on a roller coaster ride and you come down the hill, and instead of going right into the next thrilling turn, you're on a super long, slow stretch of track. Right, right. And then you get an exciting part, and then you're on a super long, slow stretch track again. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of how I felt about the yeah. movie. Now, all that said, I definitely want to see it again.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, I've seen it twice. I saw it... I actually and and I kind of bought into the hype, but, you know, I'll admit it. I kind of bought into the hype of seeing things like best Marvel movie ever, that sort of stuff. Um, I didn't have anything spoiled for me and I didn't really seek out any reviews. I'm like you. It's just whatever I saw tweeted or, um, you know, would see headlines here or there. Uh, and I went in, I guess, with really high expectations. You know, just kind of buzzed from all the positive feedback I've seen, and and Marvel was being really opening about open about the screenings they were giving and stuff. Like they just started to show this thing off. Right. Um, I went over to Brunswick, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half away from me, to go see this movie. And they've got a a, a nice theater, one of them where you reserve your seats and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And so I definitely wanted to do that. And uh, I sat next to a guy named Nick. And his son, Tristan. And Nick was just a super nice guy. I told him to listen to the podcast. I'd give him a shout-out. So here you go, Nick. An hour and a half in, after sitting through a song... And, and Poor all,
2: Nick had to sit yeah. through that first hour and a half just to get a
1: shout-out. <laughs> just to get your shout-out, dude. But let me tell you something. One of the nicest people I've ever just happened to bump into somewhere. I mean, this dude was super friendly and you know he was just having a his son was kind of celebrating having finished up testing at school and that sort of thing and so it was just kind of a good father-son time for him and um man he was just super nice and and we were talking about the movies they'd seen and of course Batman v Superman came up and he was talking about being a Superman fan all his life and and you know what I'm finding Irish about Batman v. Superman and I don't want to get off on a thing with it but a lot of people that a lot of people I talked to really enjoyed it. And, you know, and so I didn't do the thing where I crapped on it, you know, because I don't want to ruin anyone's enjoyment. You know, I'm like, this will be a safe place to geek out as well, sir. I erect this. I erect a safe place for you, Nick, kind of thing. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, I think a lot of people felt the way you did. And and just didn't really, you know, go off on on any of my problems with it. Um, But then we got in this movie, man, and and, and and dude, his son was during the credits ready to go because he was just tired. You know, it was a late night for him. And, uh, and then, when you get to the end credits sequence, you know, with, with Spider Man back on the bed, he's like, Aren't you glad you stayed? And I was like, Yes. And so I said, What'd you think, Tracy? You know, he loved it. He absolutely dug the thing. And so did I. I the first, I, I'm going to say this that I feel like the handheld camera was done a little too much during that battle scene at the beginning. I understand why it is, I understand what's there and everything, but I've got to be consistent on my dislike of the, of the shaky camera work. Having said that part, this is some of the best... In that sequence, that opening sequence with the new Avengers taking on Crossbones and everything, is some of the best shield work we've seen in a Captain America movie. The way he was throwing it, the way it was ricocheting mm-hmm. off of things, taking people out, I absolutely was just, this is great, great, you know, just comic book come-to-life stuff. And that's right. what I thats what I want to see in these movies, you know? And... um, I thought that this movie did a great job of... Did you read the comic book event Civil War back several... I guess, you know, now apparently it's been 20 years ago based on the Pass the Corn we just did. Mm -hmm. But um, in that that series, I always thought that the people on Tony's side came off as jerks in, in, in a lot of ways. Or either they felt guilty for being on the side that they had chosen kind of situation. Right. Um, here, everyone who chose a side had a reason and a sound reason, uh, for choosing the side that they chose as, as far as the Sokovia Accords go. And then when you think everything is okay, you know, and even like for me, I'm very much, I fall on the side of Captain America. The safest hands are our own, you know? Um, but when you get to the end and and all of a sudden Tony looks at Cap and says, did you know this? And Cap knew. You're like, oh my gosh, what do you think? Cap, that's you don't keep secrets. You're Captain America. You know, Suddenly you're kind of on Tony's side again. And I think it's one of, as far as his portrayals of Tony Stark, I think it's one of his best portrayals, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. of Tony Stark. There's so much depth of character to him. And you see the toll... That being Iron Man and living through what he's had to live through has taken on him. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a step beyond the PTSD stuff from Iron Man 3 into the, the guilt of Ultron. And, and man, the, the scene with him and the lady at the elevator is just like, you know, it, it's one of those moments that you talk about being on that roller coaster and it's the slow ride to the top but it's laying some good groundwork for what no, happens.
2: And, yeah, and I don't disagree with that. I mean, I'm not saying that the, the slow moments weren't necessary for the movie. Sure, sure. They, they certainly w- were, because the end of the movie doesn't work without them. Right. You need them to lay all that foundation so that you get that great ride at the mm-hmm. very end. Um. But I just... It felt like it was a lot to right. pack into this movie. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, it's, it's in a...
1: The thing is is you're tackling a concept that they really built to for years and years and years before it came to a head in Civil War yeah. and Marvel comics
2: um the uh no, but they have in the movie too right you know this isn't just a, a one incident this this was a number of things that had happened. They had been laying the groundwork for this I mean, the last Avengers movie laid a lot of groundwork sure. for this.
1: yeah. Well, and and you know, and Tony and and Cap have been kind of, though they've been friends. There's been a, a very much of a grading of them against one another since the first Avengers.
2: Well, and they're both alphas. That's true. You know, they yeah. they both, they're both by their nature mm-hmm. need to be the the guy in charge in yeah. the room. Cap and, just, Cap just wears a little better, doesn't he? Yeah, because Cap has. <sighs> Cap doesn't have any gray. You know, it's black or white for him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, where is Tony? His entire world is gray.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and well, well that's that's not good, Steve. Don't hit the microphone. Um, yeah, but what I, I guess what I mean is is like it's almost like Tony has that just attitude of owning a room where cap is more the silent like he is an alpha but he's almost a a, a, a um a reluctant alpha. He take- Tony
2: Tony needs you to know
1: that he's in charge. Right. And Cap's cap saying, just, just knows he's in charge. Right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um what do you think of Zemo?
2: He was the one thing that I thought didn't work in the movie. Really? Really? Well, and, 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 and I, I see again, it's, this is part of my processing the whole thing. His plan was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I love the actor who played him. Right. Big fan of his other, uh, his other stuff, in particular Ron Howard's movie Rush,
1: mm-hmm.
2: about the race car drivers. He is phenomenal in that. Um, And I loved his plan. He knows he can't beat these guys, so he's going to have them beat each other. Yeah. He's going to tear them down. He's going to have them tear themselves down from within. Brilliant plan. I just thought that the way it was executed in the movie didn't work so well. Hmm. You know, it was... I didn't like the... At the end, then it's like, okay, we're gonna show you all the stuff that he really did in like thirty seconds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> classic, this, oh. classic movie villain payoff.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that kind of annoyed me. Yeah, it's like, come on, Marvel, you're better than this. Yeah. Um. But it, it, but I dug I, I dug, you know. You needed him. You you needed that for the movie because I actually thought that. I actually thought that the Civil War in the movie was a lot more plausible and believable than the Civil War in the comics was.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
2: You know, in the comics it was you know, it was the new warriors, like their little event at the school or mm-hmm. speedball or whatever that went wrong, and then the other heroes kind of all felt the consequences of it. Right. Where in the movie For our main characters, it was their direct actions that was leading to this. So they all had it. They all played a direct result in the Sokovia Accords. Right. And therefore, they all had a very personal connection to either side that they were choosing. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that worked a lot better. Um, But Zemo, I think. I don't know. I feel like it. It could have been. I wish that I wish that they had introduced that we had at least seen Zemo in Avengers two. Yeah, yeah. And 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 this also goes to the kid whose mom Tony had the conversation with in the elevator. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish that that had been somebody that we had seen in the movie.
0: Hmm.
2: You know, and it could have easily been. It could have easily, you know, there were any number of people that we saw them saving in Avengers 2. They, they, I th- I feel like they could have found some other way to, uh, you know, Zemo could have been the captain in the police station or something like that. They could have made a little bit more of a connection. And, and it's like, come on, Marvel, you're thinking these movies out like 17 years in advance. You know where you're going with them. You can plant better seeds. Yeah. It just felt a little bit too convenient that, oh, here's a mom with a picture of her son, and he was camping nearby, you know, where the everything fell and he died. You know, it's like, I just through that whole sequence. I'm like, all right, this is just so convenient. Now there's guilt on Tony's conscience.
1: Well, and all, but he, all, my thing is, is Tony, you know, just following your line, and, and, and I don't necessarily come at it the way you do, but if you just follow your line of thinking, you know, there was already enough guilt with Tony as far as, you know, he created Ultron. Yeah. You know, you know everything there is kind of his fault. And so there's going to be that guilt that he has.
2: But but I've, see, he... My take on the, the Ultron thing is if he had to do it again, he would. He didn't think that what he did in trying to create Ultron was wrong. And, and that was part of the foundation laid that different that put him at odds with cap cap mm-hmm. immediately thought that it was wrong. Yeah. And Tony didn't, you know, which is why he tried, he tried to do it twice in the movie and, and, and Avengers too, you know, he did it at the beginning and then at the end, you know, he's trying to bring that body back to life. He's just, do, you know, and, and uh banner even tells him like, you know, we're, this is how this whole thing started was us trying to do this. Right. So Tony would keep trying to do that because he knows that eventually he's going to get it right.
1: Yeah, I I mean, but at the same time, the results of what happened, because even when he's bringing that body to life, you know, the results still haven't... Sokovia was still standing at that point. Um,
2: I don't know that... They they could have used the destruction of Sokovia. They could have used that Mm. as... The guilt factor he was feeling. Right. That's what I, I guess that's what I'm
1: saying. Is, yeah. is, okay. yeah, yeah. is you didn't have to have you didn't have to have the, the personal touch. I didn't mind the personal touch with the boy so much, and I don't think you had to see him. He wasn't camping, by the way. He was building uh housing oh, that's for, right. for people in need. So he's actually doing something good. With Zemo, here's what I really dig about Zemo is I think he's one of the more compelling villains that they've had since Loki. Um I think that my favorite thing about Zemo in the comics is that one day he, will be, he would start uh, an organization called the Thunderbolts, who were all these basically almost B-level villains.
2: Oh yeah, who, I know the Thunderbolts. Sarah, you know, everybody thought they were heroes. right. And they, right. Were,
1: and they were really the masters of evil, you know, and I just and this is a Zemo who would come up with something like that. Mm-hmm. This guy is someone who would who would definitely come up with something like that, and and so I really I liked it and 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 I was swerved at the end. I wasn't swerved by the reveal of of that being Tony's parents in the car, but I was swerved by him killing the super soldiers, the Winter yeah, Soldiers I that was. were in there. That was like oh my Lanta, you know.
2: I I got to admit I, in this. Almost never happens to me in movies, but I had to get up to use the men's room. Yeah, and I chose that moment. Oh no! And, and So I came back. I came back expecting to see Tony and Cap and Bucky fighting like five of these Russian super soldiers. Right. And instead, they're watching the the video of Bucky killing Cap's, uh, I mean Iron Man's parents, and right. I just. I, I sat down next to Ethan. I'm like, what happened to the super soldiers? And he's like, he shot them all. And I just, I was like, yes. <laughs> Isn't that, I, I mean, it that. was a great moment, right? You know? in, in a DC movie, they would have had to fight all of them.
1: Well, now let's not, we're not going to crap on one thing to lift another. <laughs> but
2: if, you know it. In a DC movie, they would have fought all of them. So I loved that. That wasn't his plan. His plan wasn't to activate those super soldiers. That was just the trap to get them to come there.
1: Right. To, to reveal what what had happened,
2: yeah um, and, and I totally didn't see Bucky killing his parents, oh really? I just, no, I mean, I saw it in the movie, but oh. I didn't see it coming and, and that's what I'm just saying just, is
1: that that surprises me because that is one thing I did see coming.
2: Yeah, I didn't, and I was just like, I should have seen this coming, and I didn't. I love that. That was one of the surprises right. for
1: me. Well, good. I'm glad. I mean, and, it, and me seeing it coming didn't take it away, because I'm so rarely the one who sees things coming. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I dug Zemo. I dug his plan. I don't know that we needed to see him in Avengers. I see your point. I, I think that if you start... Again, it just felt convenient Yeah. Well, but it, I don't know. It also would also feel a little, I don't know. It, I, I guess it can go either way.
2: And look, that, everything that he did to set that up was very, like, top-level agent kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, well, he's Colonel Helmut Zil- Zemo.
2: Yeah, I know. You know. But, like, you, we got it explained to us in, like, 30 seconds why he would be capable of doing that. Right. Well, And I just felt like he duped a lot of really smart people. And there wasn't anything that set up his ability to do that.
1: Yeah, well, I I mean, I think that's part of it, was just setting up that this guy's that smart. I think just watching him, that's the whole idea, is that this guy's pretty formidable.
2: Zemo's the one in the comics that wears that funky purple part. The purple,
1: yeah, the the mask, and he has a little crown on I think that
2: that's part of the thing, too, that just fed into it for me is I just never took that character seriously. No, so. I know
1: nev- you know, I've never been a big Zemo fan. And uh, you know, and I don't I don't claim that he's always one of the best villains ever. I'm just talking straight up for me, I remember reading that first issue of Thunderbolts back in the I guess it was the late 90s during the whole Heroes Reborn stuff and they right. were and and reading through that comic and getting to that last page and just smacking myself saying this is amazing. Right. This but is what is
2: he- if you go back to uh, the the second Cap movie mm-hmm. and the Armand Zola, yes, revelation. That was a mind blown moment. True.
1: Yeah. You know, and yep. here
2: was a character that we saw in the first Cap movie that you know was established. We even had the the shot of his face all big on the screen in the first Cap movie mm-hmm. as like the little Easter egg to the comics right, and stuff. Right. And then he was somebody that we'd kind of forgotten about so that when all of a sudden his face shows up on the computer in that bunker in the second Cat movie and he starts revealing the whole plan, you're just like, holy schnikes! Mm-hmm. Like, this is amazing. And so for me, uh, Zemo, like, you know, he that everything with Zemo is competing against that amazing Zoller thing. That's true. A whole yeah. Hydra revelation. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and I you know, last on the last episode I, I ranked uh, per a challenge from one of the listeners, I ranked my top ten favorite Marvel movies and and for me, Winter Soldier just edges out Guardians as my favorite. Um
2: uh, Winter Soldier I think is top three for me.
1: Yeah, I, I just that movie did so much that I just it it threw me for a loop, just amazed at the fact that they had me so invested in all these characters that they had, you know, Captain America itself in this movie. One of the things I was concerned about is that it would not be a Captain America movie, um, that it would end up being more of an Avengers three kind of thing.
2: I, and I wanted (laughs) Avengers (laughs) three. And I mean, look, we, we, we joked around about this a number of times, uh, on the pod about how, you know, every, ca- like, the number of characters that they're mm-hmm. packing into this. Right, right. So I went into it knowing mm-hmm. that it was going to be more Avengers 3 than Cap 3.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and, and Look, honestly, at this point, like, that's what I want. I want to see the characters interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, uh, one of the things that I didn't like about Thor 2 was that, you know, it's like, I want to see him with the other characters. Yeah. You know, so, like, these standalone movies come. And, like, I'm really hoping for Black Panther that we see Cap in it, that we see some of the other characters in that. Because I feel like it's set up for them to be in it where it won't feel forced.
1: Right, where it's almost like they're taking shelter in Wakanda.
2: But that said, I thought that they did a fantastic job in Cap 3 with... All the characters felt organic to the story. They didn't yes, feel right. force fed into it. They didn't feel like they got second shift. You know, e- you know somebody like uh, like Ant Man, who's you know in it for you know like a big gulp, <laughs> right? Cup of coffee still had great scenes and right. like still had his own little arc, and it worked.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it well, I you know, and I'm still kinda torn as is do I feel like this was a Captain America movie or more of an Avengers three movie? And I feel like they did a good job of kind of keeping the focus of the story on the focus of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than getting lost and trying to do too much, even though they did pack all those characters in there. Uh everyone felt like supporting cast except for Tony and Cap. And, and Black Panther. And Black well Dude, T'Challa
2: listen. had just as big an arc in yeah. this movie as Tony. I and agree. Steve yeah, did.
1: I agree. I agree. He, he and
2: wow, I can't wait for the Black Panther movie now. Something I never thought I would
1: say, Eric. He was he
2: was fantastic. fantastic. He was
1: great. He was great.
2: Chadwick Boseman was <laughs> so good in this.
1: But I I did feel like though that they did a great job of keeping. The the main guys, the main guys, with everyone else kind of feeling like a supporting cast, and with Captain America himself, with Steve himself, um, you know, I, I was moved. I wasn't crying or anything, but I was definitely moved and did definitely feel it when he gets that text of "She's gone, went in her sleep." Yeah, and uh, and then the funeral scene and everything, which again, you know. I, It was like right in the middle of all this stuff going on, just like life. Let's see what else can hit you. And in this case with him, it was the death of Peggy. And, dude, the shot of him carrying the casket and, Mm -hmm. you know, tears in his eyes, uh, the the surprise that Sharon is Peggy's niece and, um, you know, what she actually says. And you're like, well, where does she stand on this? Is she saying because she's looking at him. Yeah. As she says what she says about, you know, when everyone else moves and you know you need to stand, you stand. Um, you know, you're like, is this just one of those things where it's a coincidence that this is what he needs to hear? Or is she kind of using this as a moment to say, I can't openly agree with you, but I agree with you? Because she does end up helping them. Um, and uh, the only thing about that that I felt was forced was all of a sudden they're kissing. I'm like, they never went out. And it was never understood that she liked him. <laughs> Until now.
2: Um, I don't know. Wasn't in Cap 2, doesn't uh, Black Widow kind of tease him about you should uh, go out with that Sharon girl?
1: Yeah, the nurse across the it's, hall. Uh, yeah,
2: and, he, and they, they have their few moments there. And look, I mean, there's time has passed. That's
1: true, you're right.
2: Yeah, In the movies, so, it, you know, they're... In my mind, there was chemistry sure. between them. And and also, there definitely was. Look, the, the the moment that they kissed was also one of those "I may never see you again" kind sure. of things. So and, and it also you, you take
1: the leap. And it also in the movie itself, I didn't have time to think about it because of the cut to Sam and Bucky. Yeah, it was great. And, and, the, <laughs> and that's the thing, That's the other thing about this movie is that it shouldn't have had time to be funny. It shouldn't have had time to give us laughs or to make us feel. But that's what the Marvel movies do, right? But and and this was no different. This did give you those moments of Bucky and Sam. I love Bucky and Sam's relationship. Mm-hmm. The fact that they just kind of don't like each other, but they do, but they don't, you know. It's like the, there's the,
2: a respect there, but they don't like each other.
1: What pulls, what holds them together is Cap himself. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. When
2: they, well, when, but that's very natural. There's a lot of people who are like that, you know, true. that are, you know, I've had friends like that that, you know, because I'm friends with this guy, I see this guy all the time.
1: Right, right, yeah, and I. I just, uh, I I thought that their stuff was great together. It was good to see Don Cheadle and Tony and, and Robert Downey Jr. get to interact a little bit here and yeah. there in, in that way. Um, the, the stuff with Vision and Wanda,
2: hello. Dude, when she just goes, you know, freak house on him and basically drives him to China... Through the floor (laughs) So freaking awesome She puts him in a car and
1: drove him to China Um, (laughs) You know what I'm talking about I do, I do What I like about it though is they plant those seeds Between those two of a relationship Because in the comics Way back when, I mean there was even a four issue Miniseries called Vision and the Scarlet Witch Those two got married, had kids Fake kids, all kinds of stuff And um, you know they they had and, And you see that beginning to build Here so much so that vision is distracted on the field of battle and it's one of those great moments where the trailer made it look like it was going to be bucky shooting down mm-hmm. um shooting down war machine and it ends up being vision missing falcon and hitting Rhodey. yeah and uh and i was like that is a th- thank you tra-. to me that's what a good trailer will do to you sometimes it it'll misdirect they you a little a bit they did a
2: fantastic job in the trailers of not spoiling stuff right you know a lot of that like i thought crossbones was going to play a much bigger role in this movie than he did he was the the james bond opening action right right yep and uh, because even shield last week like ended with a big clip from the movie and you know part of me was like don't watch this and i wound up watching it and then it wound up being in like the first three minutes of the movie
1: yeah well they did that with winter soldier too remember yeah. Um so yeah, I it, it's it, I thought the trailers I think if you watch this movie and then you go back and watch the trailers for this movie that that, that you see what a trailer should do I think for a film. Mm-hmm. And that is a little bit of misdirection but not being so misdirecting that you get a different idea of what the movie's going to be about. Right. And uh and and it did that. I I want to jump back to Chadwick Boseman. I said months ago that after seeing him in the James Brown biopic or biopic, however you want to say it. And then I haven't seen 42. I didn't realize he played Jackie Robinson in 42, but his role in draft day, even though he wasn't in it that much, yeah. um, he stood out every time he was on screen, he just kept But those two roles as James Brown. And then his role in draft day, I was like, I'm sold on this guy's black Panther as T'Challa. And 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 I was so happy mm-hmm. with this character and dude I didn't even imagine I never imagined that it would be and the minute we see him on screen and it's T'Chaka I'm like oh my gosh we're going to have to watch a parent die yeah you know we're going to have to watch his dad die because that is what kind of pushes him into the forefront even in the comics you know he takes up the mm-hmm. role of of King and and the Black Panther from his father and um Oh, man. It was in, in just a few... Mi- this is... Here's the thing that I feel like is so great, not only with with T'Challa and T'Chaka, but in so many other parts of the movie I want to talk about momentarily, is, is even though this movie was long, and it did feel long at times, I, I agree with you on that part, I still feel like in the moments where they had to use the time that they had, they used time wisely... Yes, to to get you invest in these people. The just the just the one conversation we got to see T'Challa and T'Chaka have, it was like there there was such a richness of history of what's come before with them, mm-hmm. to that they you know you can see that there's been something go on between them where they've recently reconciled, or this is the symbol of that reconciliation, and they're happy together again. Even though I have no idea what came before, this is a big moment for them. And so when his father is killed in that explosion. You know that it it that it naturally is going to set T'Challa on this path of vengeance. Yep. Um. But then everything he does, but he still has that wisdom, of of that character that is that he's always had in the comics to, At the end, realize I will not be consumed by vengeance anymore.
2: Yeah. Oh. And also I'm not gonna make this easy on you. Right. The world's not through with you. you. Yeah. yeah. you don't you don't get you don't get out of this that easy. Right.
1: Oh yes. It was yep. good stuff. He was so good and and,
2: and I the, liked him just as much as T'Challa as I did as Black Panther.
1: Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. Um I liked his look too. Mm-hmm. He looked fantastic. There was
2: a a, a nobleness, a regality about Is mm-hmm. that even the right word? Yeah, I'll you know, take he it. was very regal. Like it. you could tell that this was a proud man, a man who was, you know, proud of of his nation, of his people, um a good king or that he was going to become a good king. You know, yeah, I just I really dug his character a lot. And that suit being made of vibranium. Mm-hmm. is just
1: crazy man i was like i never because i don't know that that's a thing in the comics i don't know that that i think that's a thing for the marvel cinematic universe that he's he's running around in basically a vibranium suit which, right you know which well is,
2: again something that was set up in avengers 2 the vibranium
1: right from wakanda yep. yeah and they mentioned it you know this, this it was stolen from us and that's why we put ourselves back into the world yep doing this thing and um And so again, listen. These guys, these Russo brothers, who directed this thing, wrote this. Did they write it? Um,
2: No, they they didn't write it.
1: Well, they. I mean, but they know how to put these things together. Mm -hmm. These guys are just super. They're fantastic. They they are just. uh, um, You know, they did of course Winter Soldier, and and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with with like the the last two Infinity War movies that they're going to do. Um, we got to talk about. We have to at this point. There's two things we got to talk about. Yeah. What's the first one? That's not Spider-Man.
2: Well, that would be the other man in the movie. The Ant-Man. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, you know, I was talking to someone and they said that he's the only thing they felt was shoehorned in, and I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way at all.
2: I felt like they they clearly didn't see Ant-Man.
1: Right. Right. I felt like it was a natural progression. Of course, we saw that scene of, you know, Bucky and the Big Vice, um, you know, at the end of Ant-Man. And so we knew that, you know, they were going to call on him for some reason, somehow.
2: Well, and we also, you know, the, the just in Ant-Man, the whole sequence between Falcon and him. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and at the end of the movie, you know, it comes back to him that Falcon's looking for.
1: Right yeah so
2: um and then it made sense in the context of civil war too because you know they're looking to recruit and falcon's like i know a guy so it didn't it did it It, uh, it, again it felt very organic to me bringing him in me and that first scene where they open the van door and he comes out he's (laughs) like thank you for thanking of me and i'm shaking your hand too long (laughs) yeah yeah.
0: I loved it. I loved it so much. He's like, "You're Captain America." I'm shaking
1: your hand way too long. <laughs> it was good stuff. And um and his and his part in the fight itself, you know, right? Of course we saw in the, you know, in some of the trailers of him riding the arrow, but he's like mm-hmm. when Hawkeye says, "Are you are you ready? Are you set? Are you strapped in?"
2: Yeah, Arrow man, I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> yep. But, dude, when he's, when he's like, yeah, it, it might split me in half. I've only tried this once in the lab. I'm just like, what is he talking about? And then when he goes giant, I was just like, oh, yes.
0: this is awesome. Yes,
2: it was
1: great, man. It was like this is – well, when he said I've only tried it once in the lab and I passed out, I'm like, he's about to go big.
2: Yeah, and I this didn't is a, see it coming. This is apparently. This another something, surprise
1: for me that I was just loving. Well, it was a I mean it was still a surprise, but this is something that was apparently spoiled uh in some toy ad or something.
2: Oh no, the, there were there's a Lego set okay. that has giant size Ant Man, but okay. I just didn't I just was like, Oh, it's the Legos, having right. fun with it. I didn't see it as being a literal interpretation of uh, what was going to happen in the movie. I but didn't. And see, I never e- see Ethan did. He was like, Oh, I knew that was going to happen because of the Lego set.
1: Okay. See, and I didn't know the, the Lego set had, had, had done that. I heard about that after the fact, when I heard someone talking about like, yeah, it was spoiled by that toys." Um, but I just when he said I tried it in the lab and I passed out, I'm like he's talking about growing big, and that's just the Marvel geek in me, you know. And, yeah. But it was still, a, you know, it was still a shock, and it was still I was like, oh my, it, let let me say it like this is how I said in my mind when he says well, I've done it once in a lab and I passed out, I I went in my mind, he's gonna grow big, he's gonna. <laughs> so it was great, and and then the moment where Vision goes, through, he's like, there's someone inside of me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I love the moment where he's small and he goes inside Tony's suit. Yes, and exactly. He's like, and he's talking to him. and he's like, this is your conscience," And Tony's like, what is going on in here? <laughs> um, that was great. And then, you know, after he goes big and Tony's like, all right, is there anybody on our side who has a power that I don't know about? Yeah, who has some secret power they want to tell me about right now? <laughs> yeah, I, there's just a lot of good stuff. And then just the way Spider... I, that whole fight sequence, I love the way Spider Man was reacting to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a metal arm, that's so cool. Yes.
1: Yes. When he um well, let's just go ahead and talk about Spider Man real yeah. quick. I I, I want to say this that the the introduction of Spider Man in the in the first five minutes we spend with Peter Parker in Queens in his apartment with Tony and i'm not crapping on anything that's come before. I loved Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire. Loved them. Uh i liked The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield and there are there's one or two parts of Amazing Spider-Man 2 where it's just like if the whole movie could be this, then this is what a Spider-Man movie should be.
2: Like the very end of the movie. Exactly.
1: Um <laughs> but but within those 5 minutes of tony in a 15 year old 16 year old kid's bedroom um who has these things and who does you know you him putting the old tech back together and getting it working mm-hmm. him uh you know understanding some of the lingo that tony's given the the he made his web fluid for crying out loud yeah
2: well, I um, love that he just webs Tony to the door handle too. Yes,
1: you know, in the but in those moments you get everything you need to know about this character, and it's and you're just and I was I won't say you were I was looking at it because I don't want to I don't want to assume the listeners felt this way. I was watching it and I'm thinking in five minutes they've introduced Spider Man in a way that you think as much as I love that other stuff this is how it should have been all along.
2: Honestly, what I was thinking was, I really hope this means we don't have to sit through his origin story in the Spider-Man movie again.
1: I think I think we'll get some type of flashback here, uh, yeah. There, but, but I, I don't uh, think we'll, I don't think the movie itself. Will be I, just, an I
2: felt story. like we just saw his origin. Like, right. We we don't need to know anything else. <clears throat> right. Um, um, and, and I agree. I loved it. the 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 whole apartment sequence was great. I loved Tony as the mentor to him. Mm-hmm. I love Tony, like you know, making him the suit with the tech in it and stuff was great because, you know, where else is a 15 year old kid going to be able to make a suit like that? You know, it made sense to me that, that Tony's going to help him out. Yep. yep. Um, and, but it didn't take anything away from Peter being this really smart kid. Right.
1: Too. Right. He understood what was being done for him. He understood what he needed. I, and, and I'll tell you this, the only issue I had now hear me out, was when Marissa Tomei turns around as Aunt May, and I'm like, there's no way this is Aunt May. She's, no, she's just too young that. and too hot. Well, hold on.
2: Uh, you put Marissa Tomei in anything and uh, I'm Well,
1: happy. listen, I'm not complaining about <laughs> it. I'm just saying, like, I'm like, oh, that's not Aunt May. And then all of a sudden, Tony says... You're ridiculously hot, Aunt. I'm like, okay, they they called it. They made a, you know, yeah. they pointed it out that yes, she's young and she's good looking. She is not the Aunt May from the comics. We get it. It's hey,
2: the, I'm like their same age, and I've got a nephew who is the same age right, as Peter. Right. So it works for me. Well, I mean, and it works for me. You know, I'm I'm
1: I'm younger, and I've got a I've got a great. I, my niece just had a great niece for me, you know. So it's like I yeah. get it. I understand that it's possible, and so it's not a it's not a stretching of credulity for me. It's just that the Aunt May was always elderly. Look at
2: you busting out the seventy two dollar word. Thank you. Credul- I do that. Credu- I can't <laughs> even say that exactly. Credulity. Um, it, it's the but it's the idea of I
1: had to get used to that. It's the same thing they did in Iron Man Two, and I know it's sacrilege to bring up Iron Man Two. When Don Cheadle comes on screen as Rhodey, he's like, I'm here, it's me, deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just... <laughs> and it was the same thing when Tony's like, it's ridiculously young and hot, aunt. Um And it just, I was like, all right, I'm good. You you acknowledged it in a way that didn't break the fourth wall, but, you know, kind of winked at the same time at the audience. And, and Well, let's look, let's forward. be
2: honest, Aunt May gets younger with every new That's reiteration true. of Spider-Man That's too, true, yeah. So. Well, she. I mean, was, it was. It wasn't it Sally Field in and the Andrew Garfield. It ones? was. It and, was. Yeah. And who was it in the Tobey Maguire ones?
1: Oh, that older lady. Yeah. Um, but who was great? I loved her. And 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 I want to make sure that I say that I love the Tobey Maguire Spider Man one and, and Spider Man two. Um, and it's going to be like
2: Hannah Montana in the next version of Spider Man oh, coming around. Let's not say Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: lady's name was Rosemary Harris. Rosemary <laughs> Harris played Aunt May Parker. Um I I I just I thought it was great. And then as you said, once he got into the fight, there were the moments of, you know, of course what we saw in the trailer under Ruse. Yeah. And um, you know, taking Cap's shield and everything. But then to know here's what's great about the payoff of that scene is they showed it in the trailer. What they didn't show was Ant Man was on the shield the whole time. Yeah. And and so you get the bug men fighting each other for just a moment as Ant Man takes out Spider Man to get the cap shield back to him.
2: Well, and, and you also, in my interpretation of seeing that scene in the trailer was that that was going to come a little bit later in the right. conflict. Me too. There. Me too. And, yeah. and it happens like immediately. Yep. And so,
1: and I love how Tony talks to Peter. He's like, you remember your job. You just web him up, just chase him down and web him up and stay out of the way. He's like, exactly. Now go. Yeah. And so, you know, so that puts him off on Winter Soldier and Sam, just trying to get them. And by the time he's talking, well, he's with him. <laughs> Sam tells him people usually don't talk this much when they're fighting.
2: <laughs> he's <laughs> like, oh, sorry. <laughs> It was just But great. that felt very or that's yes. that's the Spider-Man that Loved I love it. reading exactly. in the comics. Exactly. You know he doesn't shut up. Right, exactly. And that And all it does is just anger the villains even more cuz they're getting their butts <laughs> kicked and from a kid who just won't who shut just up. just won't shut up. And it's and that's what they did in this
1: movie and it's so wonderful. It was yep. just so perfect. It was pitch perfect. And then when he webs them up when he gets the, both of Sam and Sam I Bucky says something Sam says I hate you. <laughs> I just thought it was so good.
2: How about the Star Wars reference? How did
1: oh, you feel about that? Oh, dude, I, and as we say in wrestling terms, I popped. And yeah. I love that he said, Remember that really old movie, The Empire Strikes yeah. Back? And so finally I was like, Really old? Who, how old is this kid? You know, so I was like, How is this kid? He's like, I don't know. And like, they just get younger. And uh, uh, it was a great, and it and it was great that it was Spider Man. He was like, Let's just trip him up. Yeah. You know, and the moment with Cap and him. Where you know Cap kind of brings the stuff down on him. He's holding it up, and, and and he's like, "Where are you from, kid?" At Queens, and Cap just goes, "Brooklyn," and they you know, and they part ways. But I, yep. it was a, it was so cool. And um,
2: now, supposedly, the Star Wars scene was one that they argued back and forth on whether to to include it. Why? Not the scene, but the reference to why? Star Wars to to Empire. I think that. I read something just the other day on this, and I apologize if I'm not getting it right. It was, I believe, the writers didn't want to include it, and the Russos did. Mm. And uh, you know, obviously, it won out in the end. And you know, they just they, and the reasoning for it was that they're weary of making pop culture references like that. In the movies, but in this case, like you know, the argument won out to include it because it worked so well for the scene and it worked, you know, because the scene. it was you know that older movie just exactly all around it worked.
1: It wasn't a thing where he was referencing something very current in pop culture. He didn't yeah. reference and, the and Force Awakens. Of course, Awakens. if
2: you're a 15 year old kid, like it's like yeah, that's how you take a big thing down like this. You do the, the Luke Skywalker Empire Strikes Back thing.
1: Well, Airs and I asked some 20 a 20 and a 21-year-old girl that work at the restaurant where I cook. Uh just yesterday I said, "What is the newest era of music that you consider old music?" And they thought about it for a minute and they both spoke up and said the 80s. Mhm. I'm like, "You don't consider 90s old music." I'm like, "No, the 80s is old music though." And I'm like, oh.
2: Yeah, we're you old. Know?
1: Dude. And so, so when Spidey says that as a fifteen-year-old, yes, that's a re- that's a that is a
2: thirty-six-year-old movie. Yeah, I was just going to say it's almost forty years old. Yeah. That's an old movie. That's
1: an old movie to a fifteen-year-old. And so, and and the, and again, it, had it been like the Force Awakens reference, you know, it would have been too current. Had it been yeah. a had it had they made some kind of you know uh, pop culture current pop culture reference, I think it would have been too current to stick for the long haul. But I think this movie will maintain any timelessness it can uh, with, you know, that reference
2: not being something that dates yeah. it too much.
1: Um,
2: and it wasn't just a reference thrown out to, you know, like Deadpool throwing out a, a quip here or there. It was a strategy yeah. that worked for them. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> what now we have that whole fight
1: there at the airport and it's kind of a. I don't know. I'm just watching them tear this airport up. And I'm like, wow, they're really just destroying this place. But at least they're not, they, they had evacuated the airport. At least they're out of the city. You know, they're out of, yeah, you know, people are out of harm's way. And so they're handling all this business, uh, you know, where they can without hurting anyone. And that makes sense. Um, and, and, and the guys sacrifice themselves for Cap, you know, to, so he can get away and go do his thing, go, go stop what Zemo's going to do. And, and the rest of them are taken to the raft, which I thought was great. When we first saw it in the trailer, I even said, I think that's the raft. I think mm-hmm. that's where they keep the supervillains, and sure enough, it is. And this is where we get to see something in General Ross, that or Secretary of State Ross, excuse me, that is very evident in the old Marvel comics that we didn't really get the fullness of in The Incredible Hulk, but, but the, the signs of it are here. He's obsessed with these super-powered beings in his own way. he he Ross suffers from an obsession, because of the Hulk, of clamping down on, having some kind of control over... Not He doesn't like these people at all. And so it makes sense that he has no problem throwing these people in a cell that's going to be underwater that they have no hope of escaping from.
2: Right, but as Secretary of State, he really has no business being there
1: exactly exactly and uh but but it's really because of his obsession that he is and i I thought that was great and then you know when he's like stark did you get anything stark did you get anything you know and it's like of course he would be just one you know just all over him um i i just i dug it and i dug that you know that stark uh, there's something you know that fight they have the one big fight against against each other and everyone in that fight was holding back. You know that's that's the thing about that fight is that they're they're all kind of in their own way holding back. Yeah, because they're not happy. Even and I love the moment with Natasha and Clint where where he's like, "Are we still friends?" And she says, "Depends on how hard you hit me." Yeah, you know, and and it's like they're so they didn't want to do this. You know, but there's there's this there's this thing of duty and honor and all this other crap and and, <laughs> and and so when you get to Tony on the raft, he's like, "I gotta go help Steve. I realize that I was wrong, I know you know i I see what's going on now and um and so their reconciliation up at the old Hydra base is good stuff, you know, when he calls Bucky Manchurian candidate and everything um and it leads into that really personal battle at the end. And I'm just going to tell you, watching them fight and watching Cap and Tony fight it out, by the time we got to that point in the movie, like, and maybe it's because of the... what's. It is a combination of it all, dude. But when I'm watching that, I was so emotionally invested and torn, and it hurt to watch those guys fight the
2: way they were fighting. Yeah. You know? Um, Well, you don't want to see them going... you know, in the first Avengers movie, it was fun when we saw the the, the big three way fight between Cap and Thor and Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know that in the end they're going to be friends and they're going to be teammates and stuff. But in this one, it's like, you know, there there really is some, how is this going to end? Like, how are these guys like going to be friends when this mm-hmm. is over? This is this is not just you know three alphas like egos clashing this is you knew that your best friend killed my parents and you didn't tell me and you know you've broken my heart
1: yeah yep and oh yeah and uh, it, it was and in that moment as as iron man's getting his butt kicked and he's like friday you know analyzes patterns and then he just goes at it and it's like oh now tony's gonna come at him and And now, kept coming back at him, and and it was I was it was hurting me, and I think maybe Erish that's why I didn't have the oh this is my favorite Marvel movie yet reaction because I was so emotionally torn over what I was seeing there at the end, right? That that it was you know not it I want to be careful how I say this because I did like the movie, but it was hard to really enjoy the movie. I was emotionally invested in the movie, which is a good thing. But not happy about what I was seeing, if that makes sense, because I've never been a fan of the heroes having a real fight, right? You know, uh, I've I've never been. But
2: you know, in in the end, they're they're still going to be there for each other. Well, and
1: that's the thing, and that's I guess that's my question. Speaking of in the end, how do you like the way it ended?
2: I love the way it ended. I'm really excited about the possibilities of where things are going to go. Basically, we have we're left with two Avengers teams. You know, we've got we've got Tony leading the Avengers.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then we've got Steve and basically the Secret Avengers.
1: Yeah, the Secret Avengers are the Secret Warriors.
2: Yeah. Um yeah. um and I mean, look, th- this this is what I think is going to happen. I think that in the uh in the first Infinity War movie, I think Tony and his Avengers are going to get their butts handed to him. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And the movie's gonna basically end with Tony reaching out the cap and like I need you. He's going to reach Tony reaching for that burner phone. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Like I, I need you. We we got we got to get the band back yeah. together. Yeah. I I thought I loved the
1: reading of the letter. I loved the the, the throwback to the moment where he tells he uh, Ross he likes watching the whole light blink. Um. You know. It, it was yeah. funny and it was good and all that. And then you know the camera panning through like the 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 security the raft station with yeah. everybody like knocked, knocked out. out and then you know cause cap left that shield and that's the other thing when tony's like you don't deserve that shield my father made that shield so cap just drops it you yeah. know it's like okay this is not who i am and and so he can
2: find somebody with some vibranium to well, make him a new shield exactly
1: uh but um you know but yeah that last shot of him just kind of looking in the cell, like i'm here guys yeah, I just I with that with the voiceover of the letter and everything. And if you ever need me, call me. Um,
2: because that's who Cap is. Yep. He's not going to hold a grudge. Yeah, you know he knows he knows in his heart that Tony is a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was just a different a different opinion. Yeah, and it, you know, and again, it's it's where Cap, Cap came up through World War II. One of the most vile, evil men. The world has ever seen Mm -hmm. you know he's seen power corrupt he's seen like a whole nation won over by the promises and the lies of an evil man and stuff he's not going to buy into that stuff you know it's it's black and white for him
1: yep i um, um yeah i i i think that i love the idea of infinity war not seeing cap not seeing any of those guys until tony picks up the phone at the end you know, because they can't mm-hmm. do it anymore and um and we have no idea what else we'll see basically I mean we've got so much to go before then, which is just exciting. Yeah. Two tags at the end of this movie, one was Bucky going back into kind of suspended animation
2: which i I thought worked really well. Mm-hmm. I thought it was it was 'cause look, Bucky has done some evil stuff, yeah, you know yes, he was brainwashed and everything, but you still that's not a reason to let a man like that run around yeah. Um, I, I think that I think it works. It, it was good, and now I want he's a character that I want to see again. I like that character a agreed. lot, agreed. So I'm hoping that he's not gonna, I'm hoping that when Cap dies, you know, they'll wake Bucky up and let him put the suit on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it to me, it was a good solution for the end of the movie. What do we do with a boy named
1: Bucky? Yeah, and uh, and I like that his thing was. This is the best thing until they can get this stuff out of my head that was put in yeah. there. I like the I like the sequence of words. I like that idea of that random sequence of words I had to read out of the book. You know, Yeah, just, that was cool. That was a cool thing. And then um the tag. The the final tag at the end with uh with Peter sitting in bed and the in the whole spider signal situation. Which looked more like it looked different. I mean, it had the the movie it almost looked like an interactive kind of uh
2: well, uh, it's, you know, what thing. kind of tech has Tony put into that <clears throat> suit? Right,
1: right. You know, because, like, if you look, you know, back in the old days in, in the comics, Spider-Man had a light on his belt that would light up, like, his face, and, you know, he'd shine yeah. on the criminal element or whatever. And so it's kind of a throwback to that. But there were all those little symbols and stuff around it. And I'm like, now, what
2: is all that?
1: You
2: know? <laughs> well, and it also, to me, it opens the door for Tony showing up in the Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's you know I think that we'll see that I think that you know even if it's just Tony like on like a, a, a phone call to him yeah. or something like that I think we're gonna see some some connection some mentor mentee yeah. kind of connection. Well, now it's been confirmed.
1: It's been confirmed that Robert Downey Jr. will be. Oh, it has in some, been. Yeah, will be okay. in it. I don't. I, I, and I say in it as far as like. I haven't said to what extent. I can't imagine he'll be in the whole thing, but, you know, he'll obviously have a scene or two there.
2: I kind of get the feeling that, you know, maybe aside from the Doctor Strange movie, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, any of the, the solo movies going forward, we're going to see other characters right. in them. Yeah, You know, I think that, I think, again, with Black Panther, I think the door is open to see Falcon mm-hmm. and Steve and Wanda. Mm-hmm all there in Wakanda, you know, I don't know that they'll play a big part in the story, but I think that, you know, it, it, it makes sense to to at least establish that this is where the secret Avengers, if you will, or the secret warriors are going to set up their right. base of operations.
1: And we've also, I guess we've had all but confirmed that Banner and Thor will end up it being like together in Ragnarok. Sounds like, yeah, that they're going to be
2: in the in Ragnarok yeah. together.
1: so... And I you know what I'm sitting there I'm watching when when Ross says this and and I know we need to wrap it up but I'm sitting there when Ross says do you know where Banner and Thor are I'm like yeah you know where Thor is he's on Asgard Tell him tell him yeah. he went back
2: to Asgard I'm not going to tell him that it's not
1: Ross's business Well I'm like but it, there's only one megaton missile miss you know <laughs> It's mm-hmm. not two of them <laughs> So so get so bite it Ross just bite it <laughs> Oh, man. Well, Erish, yeah, we need to wrap it up.
2: Overall, you thought... Uh, y- Look, I liked it. Yeah. And, you know, the more that we've talked it through here, the mm-hmm. more... Uh, I, I, I liked it regardless, but the more I'm liking it. And like I said, you know, you have the benefit of a second viewing sure, that I exactly. haven't had yet and exactly. that I do want to see.
1: Yeah. I went so. I went to the second viewing, the same place, with a friend of the show, Scott Rifen um and mm-hmm. and he just absolutely dug it it was fun watching the movie with him and, and having seen it the night before getting to watch him have all the cool reactions and everything and afterwards coming out and just kind of gushing over it together and just really just i to me it's just marvel does it again you know um and uh and so i, I i'm interested for you to see it a second time and see if those slow moments are slower for you or if you kind of move through them knowing that they're there now because sometimes what i've found is when i when i see a movie that has those slow times when i go back and see it again because i know what's coming they just move a little quicker yeah so
2: yeah and you're also looking for other things that you may have missed right, in them too. Right, so right yeah, that's what i'm hoping for yeah.
1: i'm hoping to get back to see this again but i've promised Teresa before i see this again i'll see jungle book so oh, have gotta, you seen it yet not yet not yet
2: it's good yeah I still prefer the Disney animated cartoon. Okay, nice. Over it, I mean, there's some there's some pretty significant changes in the live action. I really liked it, mm-hmm. but I just I, I look the the Disney Jungle Book cartoon is one of my, you know, that and Robin Hood yeah. are my two favorite Disney uh, movies. I so it's it, I love it's some Robin gonna Hood. It's going to take sir. a lot. Yeah, I love some Robin to, Hood.
1: My friend Derek tweeted after he saw the movie: uh, "Bill Murray plus Baloo equals Steve Glossom. So I don't know. We'll have to see. If, we'll have to see if that's true. Or I'll have to go. I told him I'll be the judge of that. Well, Erish, my friend, thank you so much for hanging out with us again. Uh, Always a pleasure, my friend. You've mentioned you're headed to San Diego, and is that June when that's happening? July, Next, July. So two San months. San Diego
2: Comic Con in July. Oh
1: well. Yeah. In the meantime, if you're headed to any other cons and. Del Rey has a booth there. Walk by and just holler, pass the corn. They'll
2: be at Phoenix Comic Con in a couple weeks. Uh
1: Uh-oh. Wendy Cooper, get your butt to Phoenix. Out in the high desert. You and your family. Get
2: my colleagues to pass the corn for me.
1: Yeah, tell them, pass the corn. We want this thing to grow exponentially. Yes. Uh, So, uh, also, um, you heard at the beginning of the show, the Rancho Obi-Wan donations. If you want to be a part of Rancho Obi-Wan, they're doing great things out there. Steve Sansweet and the gang. Uh, You can do that. If you want to help the shows out, patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Of course, those Amazon links are a big, super huge deal. By going to geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com, you can use the Amazon links there to do your shopping, and it helps us out. Uh, Shoot us an email. What did you think of Civil War? We've gotten several of those. We'll get to in our next episode. And uh, you can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at geekoutloud. Erish is at Darth underscore Duff. I'm at Steve Glosson. Of course, you can follow the entire Goaliverse podcast by following at Goaliverse.
2: Facebook. we got to plug the new Goaliverse podcast. Mile High Tundra with Erish and Joe. Mile High baby.
1: If you're a football fan, check it out. I guess you guys have recorded a new episode. You're, you're covering we the draft. Our,
2: our third episode last night. The, the, look, the show, I'm a lifelong diehard Denver Broncos fan, a partner with my buddy uh, Joe Scalora who is a lifelong diehard Green Bay Packers fan hence Mile High Tundra <laughs> um, we talk a lot of Broncos and Packers and we have a biased view of the rest of the league there you go <laughs> and uh, we recorded our third episode last night uh, we've got another one coming in a couple days uh, it's a two-parter covering all the draft picks for our teams so we're, we're excited about this and you can find us on iTunes Mile High Tundra Give us a listen, give us a rate, let us know what you think. And you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Mile High Tundra, all one word.
1: There it is at Mile High Tundra, all one word on Twitter. And of course, Facebook.com slash Geek Out Loud for Geek Out Loud on Facebook. If you want to buy t shirts, geekoutonline.com slash shirts is the place to go. Eris, once again, my friend, thank you so much. Always good having you on, always good talking to you. Fun times on this it episode. Certainly was. So for Aries advice, I'm Steve Glosson, and we will see you next time on Geek Out Loud.